Hey guys, happy fourth week of October. This is the Halloween edition of your weekly roll-up. David, how you doing? It's dark over there. I can't see you right now. Yeah, the, the, the viewers on YouTube are confused as to what's going on and why there's a blank screen in front of them. Should we do yeah, it? it? This is not a mistake, right? No, this is not a mistake. Well, uh, tell them what we're about to tee up. What's Okay, so... Well, I've got my costume on. A costume? We were supposed to wear costumes? Yeah, we are supposed to wear costumes. You, you forgot okay. your costume? Well, no, dude. So I knew this. I knew you were planning something big, okay? Yeah. Because when I tweeted you and asked about the, uh, the roll-up agenda, you tweeted me this picture of you and somebody who was like in your apartment applying makeup to your face. <laughs> yeah. So I have no idea what I'm about to see, uh -huh. but here's my guess, David. I think that I'm going to see you as a rendition of your punk, okay? That's like my best guess. Mm -hmm. I feel like all the hints you've been dropping over the past few weeks I mean, about I've, what you're planning to do. I've been pretty explicit about it. <laughs> okay, maybe you've been explicit. <laughs> but you have no idea I have no whether idea. I even dressed up. Yeah. Like, you don't know whether I, I, I've been just playing you this whole time. You don't know whether you're going to see CryptoPunk on the other side. I think you bought a $15 Amazon uh, Ninja Turtles uh, costume, which you are currently yeah. wearing. What the hell? Does that, that sound like me? Yes. Does that sound does. like something I would do? <laughs> you're saying I would cheap out on like... <laughs> My NFT? I would never do that. <laughs> Premium right. NFTs all the way. So we're going to do this reveal. Yep. We're going to do this live. I've never seen David. I haven't He's seen never Ryan. Seen... Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Ready? Three, I'm two, taking off the lens cap. One. Here we go. Oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, David. Oh, my. So that's a little bit okay, more than Okay. Tell me what I look like. I'll tell you what you look like. Okay. Uh, yeah. You look like a ninja. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's not done. <laughs> you went you bought your first ever cigarette to to have that right now didn't you how'd you know dude i went to the gas station this morning and i'm like give me a pack of cigarettes and they're like what kind i was like i, I don't, don't i don't know the, the ones that you smoke <laughs> <laughs> all right so you yeah oh, you are God. certainly a a ninja turtle oh well, actually i think you're just a, a turtle with with uh, uh blue blue no, eye mask on and now you have let a cigarette you what I am. yeah let me show you what i am have you spent time like looking at this? Look. Hey, that's Tell a pretty that's good costume. That's a pretty identical. good costume. Yeah, it's, it's pretty identical. It's pretty good. You did a good job. You did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. You look like, let me see. I see the colors, mm -hmm. you know? You mm -hmm. got definitely some whiter face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a mime. Oh God. I can't, sorry, I can't do this with the cigarette. Yeah. And put the cigarette down. <laughs> Cigarette's over. <laughs> a little bit of a mime vibe. No, no, dude. I see, okay, I see the smile now. Mm -hmm. I see the smile going down. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see the pixelation. Mm -hmm. I love the hat. Mm -hmm. This is good, David. Yeah, it's good, man. Not too bad. It's good. Shout, shout, out, shout out to Haley for putting on makeup on me for the, my first time ever. This is my first time ever wearing makeup. I swear <laughs> to God. It's awesome, man. <laughs> so, are you going to do this again, like for actual Halloween, or is this just for the show? Is this for just special for Yeah, today? no, I got to do it tomorrow, too. Uh, I'm yeah. doing a layer zero with Griff Green after this. And so, I have to like take, <laughs> take it off, or else <laughs> he's just going to be. <laughs> you won't care, man. Just do it <laughs> all day, okay? You are your punk today. I am my turtle NFT, my tiny turtle NFT, and that's just how it is. It's yeah. Halloween. They were doing a window washing in my apartment, so they had to come into my apartment. So I just opened up my door to like talk to the facilities people, and I just was wearing this my crypto punk on my face. <laughs> oh my god! All right, then. Well, uh, let's dive in then. This is going to be the same roll up, right? All of the quality you've come to expect, mm -hmm. except David and I are NFTs today. So like we're taking this extremely seriously. I, I, it's, it's the, it's the most serious. Yeah. We, why would we joke about crypto? It's the most serious thing on the planet. I can't tell if you're smiling anymore. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always smiling. 
I'm always <laughs> okay. smiling. Everything's funny today. All right, guys, uh, first thing before, actually, what are we going to cover today, David? I think there's three things we got to cover. Uh, first is SHIB. What is going on with his dog coin? Absolutely insane. It's going nuts. Mm-hmm. All right. That's going to be a big news item. Also, Disney NFTs are coming. Question mark. Disney finally getting in the NFT game. Wow. I feel like somebody tweeted this out. I, I, I might have tweeted this out a month ago. Like, Disney, where's your NFT game? Right. They have so much IP. They're getting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, WorldCoin. What is this? Yeah, they listened, of course. WorldCoin, what is this thing? It's a new monetary system. You actually, you know, plug your eye into an orb and get coins. Is that mm-hmm. how this works? We're going to dive into all three of those news topics. Um, of course, guys, we try to cram as much of crypto as we can the week in crypto in your brain in approximately 90 minutes. Sometimes we go a little bit over. We're not always successful with that. But uh, before we begin, got to give a shout out to our friends and sponsors at Pool Together because they have released something pretty awesome that the bankless community should know about. And that is V4 of the Pool Together pools. This is a no loss lottery. So it has lottery in the in the in the word because you can actually win stuff every week they're giving out a million dollars in prize but the no loss piece makes this a bit more like a savings account so you put savings in you can't actually lose you have an opportunity to win every single week you win prizes uh and uh, effectively you keep your principal pretty awesome what else is special about version four david yeah you the low gas fees on polygon are an absolute treat and the best thing about v4 is that all of these pools that are spread across all over ethereum are now linked together uh, and so they're all one gigantic pool, uh, or at least a, few, a fewer number of pools. Uh, I think just uh, just four now. And so you can actually enter these pools from different parts of Ethereum. And so if you don't like gas fees, because who does, you can just go to Polygon and, and enter in the pool there. All right, that's awesome. Thanks to Pool Together for letting the bankless community know about that. Uh, cigarettes got to go out of my mouth again. Okay, <laughs> Dow Punks as well. That this is a project that's kind of a spinoff from Bankless Dow. Mm-hmm. They're doing some minting. That's coming. That's starting tomorrow. I believe actually today and tomorrow, depending on if you got in the pre-mint or not. I think these are really cool, David. What's going on here with Dow Punks? Yeah, it's a, it's the first NFT project that is is associated directly with a DAO. Uh, as we know, Bankless DAO is actually one of the biggest DAOs out there, and there's only 1,111 Dow Punks as well, and they're they're pretty dope. They're the most realistic looking versions of like profile picture NFTs that I've ever seen. They're actually humans wearing attire, wearing crypto swag, uh, and so if you uh, want, are playing in the NFT profile picture NFT games, uh, maybe Dow Punks might be for you. I know I'm going to get one. Not only that, David, do you know you actually get a shirt? So it's going to be like whatever NFT you mint, you get a shirt printout of the NFT as well. It's pretty awesome. That's so very it's like cool. a tie into the real world too. I mean, anyway, I, I'm super I, excited I, about people this. know that I like to have the physical relationships with my NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very, very I think into today that. proved that. If anyone <laughs> doubted, David really likes the physical relationship of his, he's becoming his NFT. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I am, anyway. I am my punk. My punk is me. I, I think 1,111 or something they are minting. So right. if you're interested, go check that out as well. All right, man, let's get to the markets. Uh, what is Bitcoin telling us this week? We higher, we lower, what are we looking at? Uh, well, we ended last week at the high, the new all-time high last week. And so it's actually been a down week for Bitcoin, even though it's it's crazy that we are down 7% on the week in Bitcoin and we are still above $60,000. That is just fantastic. We started the week at $63,000, hit a low of $58,500. The high of the week was $64,000 and we are currently at $61,000. 
there you go. Still, still good for Bitcoin. Still good. You know, even though Very uh, down week, but it's uh, it's been a healthy month, that's for sure. How about Ether? Price of Ether. What are we looking at? Ether up one percent on the week. Started the week at four thousand one hundred dollars. Hit a low of three thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. Hit a high of four thousand three hundred dollars, and we are currently clocking in at four thousand two hundred and twenty dollars. Again, up roughly one percent on the week. That's cool, man. I thought we were gonna get rugged on. Uh on uh, what was this uh, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. It's like, did you see that massive liquidation? Yeah. Like, what, what, uh, what oh this? yeah, yeah. There was a was big it on Binance, or yeah, FTX or something. Somebody got liquidated for like hundred and thirty million dollars worth mm-hmm. of ETH. Yeah, the price something of Ether like on Binance, I think, dropped to like three hundred dollars inside of a single candle and then popped right back up. Caused a bunch of liquidations. Uh, I think people would probably be pissed off at that because people got liquidated before they were actually supposed to. Yeah, I saw one like monster wreckage right. uh, liquidation I've never seen, like $130 million or something. Anyway, uh, good to clear out some of that leverage, that foliage, and continue the the bull run. That's where I think we're headed, David, mm-hmm. continuing the bull oh, run yeah. this corner. Okay, what's the ratio looking like? Because that's an interesting indicator as well of yeah. bull run spirits. Yeah, again, ever since the Bitcoin ETF, the Bitcoin Ether ratio has been up in Ether's favor. So we're up to 0.069 on the, uh, this week. I think we ended last week at 0.064. Uh, so still, again, still in that same range that we've been in ever since May, uh, but again, also painting higher lows with Ether versus Bitcoin, uh, having a really strong performance there. Is that counterintuitive to you? Would you think that like Bitcoin ETF would uh, reflect in the ratio and ETH would be down relative to Bitcoin? Because the opposite seems to be happening right now. Yeah, if we want to put on like the trader narrative hats right now, like there the momentum behind Bitcoin after it got its Bitcoin ETF, like traders piled in because oh, Bitcoin's getting the ETF, it's going to pump. Traders yeah. pile in, it actually does pump because traders pile in. But then like the buying pressure for Bitcoin after the ETF just didn't come. <laughs> and so then it fell down below its, its all-time high. And then people yeah. are starting to, in, in my mind, people are rotating into Ethereum because like it, Bitcoin didn't have the energy to sustain itself. But you know what does? <laughs> Proof of stake is coming. The merge is coming. Like all the same reasons that people are bullish on Ethereum. NFTs are eating the world. And so like I think there's a rotation into Ether right now coming out of most of the other blue chips, crypt, uh, crypto blue chips. The equivalent of three halvenings, people have called this the triple halvening, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like the equivalent of three Bitcoin halvenings and 90% supply reduction is coming within the next six to nine months. So maybe that's starting to get priced in a little bit. Although I feel like if that was really priced in, we'd already be a whole lot higher. Right. But uh, this is good news, David. I, I checked this right before we, uh, we jumped on and DeFi pulse index total locked value in DeFi is still above 100 billion my friend two weeks in a row first ever time we've had two back-to-back weeks over 100 billion pretty exciting to see yeah i've actually uh i think DeFi pulse is actually starting to lag behind with a lot of the uh, integrations of other apps so there's another website out there called DeFi llama that other people are using and according to and i I tweeted out like hey a billion dollars locked in DeFi." like when when we cross one billion dollars locked in DeFi, all of crypto tip twitter absolutely blew up when we cross a hundred billion dollars in DeFi, like it was just dead silent. And I think it's actually just because like DeFi Pulse is one way to count locked in DeFi. If you go to DeFi Llama, we're actually already at like a hundred and seventy billion dollars. Or excuse well, me, two hundred and forty billion dollars. It, it, it depends what you count, right? It's like I, I actually appreciate DeFi Pulse, and I'm glad we're like using it since the beginning because mm-hmm. it's like a, a, a standard metric, right? right? Because like um, I don't know what DeFi Llama counts or these other uh, TLV, mm-hmm. um, but like if they're counting stuff that's in Binance. They, they are. I don't know that I'd count that, sure. right? right? It's like, why would you count that? I mm-hmm. mean, like, do we count all of the, you know, um, liquidity that's right. custodied on Binance itself or on Coinbase or like on Gemini? I mean, so there's, 
again, what's the definition of, of DeFi? So at least with DeFi Pulse, it's consistent. But like, I take your point. I'm mm -hmm. not sure that all the projects are reflected here. We might be uh, above mm -hmm. this, but I actually appreciate that um, DeFi Pulse is a bit more rigorous than uh, than some other sites myself. Yeah, But I, I, I guess it's debatable. Um, all right, let's talk about the DeFi Pulse Index, which is a measure of the value of blue chip DeFi tokens. There's a whole bunch of good DeFi blue chip tokens inside of this thing. What are we looking at on the week? Yeah, started the week at $342, hit a low of $324, hit a high of $380, and we are currently at $344. Overall up just under 1% on the week, so mostly flat. Hey, I will, actually, I will hey. actually extrapolate the same exact thing I just said about uh, DeFi Pulse and total value locked. Uh, yeah. DPI as an index for DeFi, it, it, it's actually missing a lot of like the newer tokens, like the Rari Ooh. token, the Ohm token, the Toke token. We're talk about that, aren't we? Yeah. We're talk about that in releases a little bit. Yeah. Because I think there's some solutions coming down the pike for that. 100%. Um, yeah. But and 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 then also like I will say that my point zero one or my point one three bottom call for DPI versus ETH, I think it would have been sustained it had DPI had Ohm and. <laughs> And token all these other like newer tokens oh so God. like I, I will say that i think i i think i could you know eke out a victory here david's gonna go back in time and retrofit <laughs> the data and see yeah. if and see if he was right using the right data of course but uh l l let's look at this at least it's consistent over time so dpi to eth the index mm -hmm. down again on the week where are we hanging now oh it's on that same linear we're at, it's the same rate of downwards that has been on the weekly roll-up for the last like four months we are down yeah. on the week it's down it's at point zero eight two. it's just down it's just like there's this narrative now that DeFi can't really compete with ETH because yeah. ETH is like mm -hmm. sucking in all of the value ultrasound ETH. And this is um, a year ago at this time. It was the exact opposite, interestingly yeah. enough. Everyone said Same. ETH was dead and like DeFi is the breakout application, but Ether as an asset would not accrue value. It's funny how it's the that exact switched. opposite, right? The exact opposite 12 months later. And I, I think I said this last time, but I'll reiterate it. We're used to seeing indexes in the stock market, ETFs, like just go up, up, up against the dollar. And like the take is that, well, that's actually just a dollar going down in value, not the ETF going up in value. That is a take, the, yeah. the take here is that like, well, we have ultrasound money that's supposed to get more uh, scarce as the economy grows. And so where right. like legacy dollar ETFs go up in price because the dollar's going down, DeFi indexes go down in ETH price because ETH is going up. I think that makes a ton of sense. That's the thing that totally screws with your mind. We talked about this a little bit last roll up is like, it all depends on what you denominate things in, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're denominating in dollars, it's very different than denominating in Ether, denominating in Bitcoin, or even denominating in gold. And when you start to change the denomination of your net worth, your wealth, mm -hmm. it totally flips things on its head. Yep. Because, yeah, it, it, I mean, are you actually making money if dollars are just going up? Uh, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, okay, let's talk about the bed index, which is a third, a third, a third, Bitcoin, ETH, and DPI, all three of those smushed together. How are we looking at on the week? Yeah, started the week at 172, hit a low of 157, hit a high of 180, and currently clocking in at 172. Again, uh, up a little bit under 1% on the week, so flat. This is why I like this index, because it's like, it's like kind of the- So balanced. Yeah. It's the turtle of indexes, you know? Just slow and steady <laughs> wins the race, my friend. <laughs> All right. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> and I mean that in the best of ways, obviously. Uh -huh. Okay. Of course you do. <laughs> of course. Uh, look, huge milestone for Uniswap. We're talking about numbers and markets. Over the weekend, Uniswap protocol passed 
500 billion in total trading volume since its launch in November 2018. Three years, 500 billion dollars. Look at this. Look at this curve up. It's a great slope up. Great chart. Great looking chart. Every time we talk about Uniswap hitting these numbers and like a 20 it's a 20 person team, mm -hmm. you know, th like 3 years. I am blown away that no one is talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like why isn't CNBC talking about this? Mm -hmm. Why isn't this the startup of like the year? Like this is a an incredible story how fast this growth has been. It's beyond like blitz scale growth and I still feel like no one's talking about it. So it's because no one knows how to talk about it. Like no it, one knows it's how just, to talk it's about so, it. It's not that hard. It's so brain breaking that like legacy media companies are just confused. God, I mean, why don't they invite people like us on CNBC, David? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like serious people like us. It's very, very legitimate people who take their <laughs> job extremely seriously. Why don't they take it and put us on air? <laughs> I don't understand this. Uh, CNBC, if you're watching, Dave and I would love to come on your show. <laughs> Uh, even put on as ties. pictured as pictured I, I, won't, <laughs> I won't put on a tie <laughs> oh my god i'll just put on a tie over my turtle costume well. <laughs> uh, uh, another big day for polygon hitting some milestones they just crossed a billion transactions processed in the polygon proof of stake chain this is just the beginning says mihalo who is one of the co-founders of polygon they're just continuing to crush it um, pretty impressive growth there, and he takes. Congrats to Polygon and the Polygon team. Uh, I guess it's the market week of cumulative uh, transactions here. Uh, One billion transactions is a significant amount, uh, and this just illustrates uh, why we need layer twos. Layer twos are required for for adoption and usage. Three comma club. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so I watched the um, your Bitcoin debate mm -hmm. versus ETH debate. I don't know if people uh, caught that, but it was great for me to sit in the audience, David. Like mm -hmm. I really, I enjoyed it. Like mm -hmm. it was literally popcorn time for me. While while you were um, making your turtle relax. turtle uh, costume. <laughs> yeah, I was stitching it. This is not like I didn't buy this on Amazon <laughs> or at the store. I, I stitched this Custom. together by hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was listening to you debate Bitcoiners. Anyway, um, one of the points I think one of them made at one point in time was like. Um, well, look at like look at all of these other chains like uh, Polygon, for instance. Someone's mentioned Polygon. More transactions than Ethereum at this point. And I wanted to stand up while I was like stitching away on my turtle shell and just be like, "That's how it's supposed to work, right? Right? Yeah. Like more transactions should go on side chains and layer twos, and Ethereum should be for highly economically for dense transactions. It's, it's for a settlement layer. It's for settlement. Yeah. Right. Uh, Which is anyway. what they broadcast is what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is for exactly. settlement. Yeah. Exactly. I don't yeah. understand why. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, that was a good episode, guys, by the way. If you didn't catch that, go go catch that. Um, mm -hmm. also, J Justin Drake, uh, Team Ether was me and Justin Drake. Team Bitcoin was Dennis Porter and Munib Ali. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it even matched because I had like one tech guy, one money mm -hmm. economics guy mm -hmm. on both sides. Mm -hmm. I thought it was an even match. It was a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. We just passed. We just passed eight million ETH staked. Is Eight the million ETH staked, a quarter million validators wow. staking on the Beacon chain. Uh, well past that. Ethereum developers have uh, talked about how they want to see a minimum of 10 million Ether staked to the Beacon chain in order to consider Ethereum secure. Uh, and we are approaching 10 million Ether and we haven't even merged yet. That 10 million ETH number is for after the merge, not before. And we are already getting very, very close to that. So that's pretty cool. Another memory lane thing, right? Like a year ago, everyone was debating, will, will is we it, get is, enough ETH staked? We needed like half a million ETH in order to launch. Yeah. Uh -huh. Are we going to make it? I don't know. Here we are, 8.3 billion. 8.3 million, 8, 8. million Ether earning 5.4% in Ether terms. 5.4% okay. in Ether. 250,000 validators. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know you have a take on that later. We'll get to that. Yep. Uh, okay, let's talk about this number as well. So this is Justin Drake, mm-hmm. your uh, debate companion. One billion per day in Ethereum fees might not be far-fetched, he says. Okay, that sounds astounding. Only That's only, though, mm-hmm. 16 million per day per shard yep. with 64 shards, okay? Yep. A single shard today, which is the main Ethereum, chain today. Ethereum, that's the, the, one, one, the one single shard, yep. The monolithic chain that we have in place already does 100 million per day. So if you just assume 64 shards doing a fraction of that, 16% of that, each of them doing six, an average of 16 million per day, you get a billion dollars in Ethereum fees right. per day, which would that be like, I guess that would be another 10x. I mean, yeah, just just one more 10x. And honestly, God. like what, what's a single 10x in crypto? Like we eat 10x's for breakfast. And like the the whole the two what would a billion dollars per day mean, David? It, it would just like it would mean that. and well, so like we were talking about, there's eight eight uh, eight million eight point three million ether being staked to a quarter million validators on the beacon chain. That means yeah. that like seventy thirty uh, ish percent of that one billion dollars actually starts going to those validators, actually starting earning the fees, and so the the incentive to actually spin up a node just like blossoms because of the fees are going to the validators. Uh, so more. Uh, money, more fees being paid to the validators means more security, which means we spin up more validators, which again, we will revisit, put a pin in that because more validators means cool things happen. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Also means ultrasound money. Yes. Think of how much yes. ETH we're burning yeah. in, the, in this case. A significant a amount, $700 million worth of ETH a day. Oh my God. I tweeted I tweeted this out too because, uh, you know, okay, it's a riff on Justin Drake's tweet, but uh, here's the tweet. Some of you guys keep forgetting blockchain sell blocks. That's literally the product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone responded and said, yeah, duh. But like, I feel like this is a simple fact that a lot of people forget. The whole entire industry is based upon this. Yes, blockchain sell blocks. That's what they do. Okay, that's what they do. That is their product. Mm-hmm. I Apple sells iPhones. Okay, Google sells advertising and eyeballs Mm -hmm. facebook same thing what do blockchains sell they sell blocks that is their revenue so if you want to look at the healthy successful products that have product market fit look at how much revenue they're driving from the sales of their block space okay ethereum over the last seven days do you know what it was david 10x bitcoin Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of the sales volume of its block space. Mm-hmm. The product that it sells is valued at 10x the value of Bitcoin block space. And nothing else is close. Nothing's close to Bitcoin in terms of the value of its block space. Okay? People forget this simple fact, but everything falls out from this. Right. Economic security, uh, ultrasound money falls out from this. Like the, the monetary premium mm-hmm. that your asset is able to command. The, it, it's the proof of product market fit. It's like the security, it's the decentral, everything falls out of the fact that blockchains sell blocks. So if you wanna find the winning blockchain, sell or find the blockchain that is selling blocks for the highest amount of value. It's that simple. What blockchain has the highest quality product? And you can tell that by seeing how much people are willing to pay for that block space. Uh, with, with the crypto world, we unlocked the power of immutability uh, where we, we can make data immutable. And we use this immutable data to make immutable transactions because what's more valuable than uh, money? So if we have like this, the most uh, valuable kind of data we've ever been able to create, which is immutable data. And the, the amount of immutable data that we can create is constrained by the system that produces blocks. 
but blocks sell immutable data. That's the thing a blockchain does. It's like, oh, I have this much amount of immutable data for sale. And a blockchain that has that immutable data actually valued by the market will see block space actually consumed. And so many, many blockchains are out there can sell uh, block space, but the, it's the quality of the immutability and the utility of that block space that determines the price for it. Absolutely. Take it from the turtle. Take it from the punk, mm -hmm. folks. We know what blockchain we're talking about. Blocks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys, we will be back with the hot releases of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Matcha, everyone's favorite DEX aggregator, has just launched an open beta for gasless trading. So if you're trading more than $5,000 in common ETH and wrapped Bitcoin pairs, then your gas fees on Matcha are free. And that's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible price without any trading fees or unnecessary slippage. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your orders across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that, that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single and easy to use platform and has even saved me multiple times from accidentally picking the wrong decks to trade on and getting a bad price. Matcha also allows you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. So when you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz slash bankless, connect your wallet, and start getting some of the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. Alchemix is one of the coolest new DeFi apps on the scene. It introduces self-paying loans, allowing you to spend and save at the same time. Deposit the DAI stablecoin into the Alchemix vault in order to get an advance on the interest it generates. Borrow up to 50% of the total amount of your deposited DAI in the form of AL-USD stablecoin. Here's the craziest part. The loan pays itself back and you cannot be liquidated. Unlock your assets potential in the ultimate DeFi savings account. And brand new to Alchemix is the ETH vault where you can deposit ETH into the application, borrow AL-ETH against your deposits while having your advance gradually paid back over time. V2 is rapidly approaching, which will allow for even more collateral types, plus a variety of yield strategies to choose from. Harness the power of Alchemix at alchemix.fi. That's A-L-C-H-E-M-I-X dot F-I. Follow Alchemix on Twitter at alchemixfi and join the Discord to keep up to date with Alchemix V2 and to get involved in governance. All right, guys, we are back with the hot releases of the week. David, let's start here. It's not quite released, but it is in the process of being approved by the Index Co-op. This is maybe an answer to the DeFi Index problem that you were talking about, capturing some of the smaller cap up-and-coming DeFi protocols. This is called the Gonna Make It Index, the Growth Index, <laughs> GMI. Uh, and I think some folks from the Bankless DAO proposed that this along with uh, folks from the index co-op and it's basically a i guess lower cap uh, version of the DeFi pulse index with a whole bunch of different almost like we've called these before DeFi 2.0 type protocols so unpack this for us what's in 
the going to make it index? When's it going to be released? Yeah, so there are many uh, actually teams that we've actually talked to recently that have tokens here. So we we talked to Olympus DAO, so the Ohm token is in here. We've also recently talked to the Tokamak team, the Toke tokens in here, uh, Perpetual Protocol, the Perp token, the DYDX token, Visor, FLX, uh, and a very large number of others. Rari, the governance token of Rari is in here. Uh, and these are like the, the, it's just the newer DeFi tokens. And there's actually um, a rule in the DPI index that you have to, these tokens have to have a certain amount of age to them but that's actually kind of uh as you know that's optimized optimized for for one thing but like a lot of new things a lot of alpha in crypto comes from newer stuff uh and so they are making the uh the gmi index to capture the newer things that are about DeFi. yeah i love this i think it'll be a good compliment right so you could mm-hmm. own the bed and then you can own a portion of something like this and that's kind of like all you need mm-hmm. um Let's talk about this. The Across Protocol has just been announced. I I think this is announced for a release. This looks to me, David, like another bridge. So this uh, looks a little bit like a hop or a connects. Mm -hmm. This is um, Across. What, what are these guys doing? No, that's exactly right. Cross L2 uh, protocols for asset transfers. This is a huge industry. Uh, so just another way to get across uh, your, your money from L1 to L2, L2 to L2, L2 back to L1 or whatever. Thank you, bridge builders. Yeah, literally bridge builders. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this. Uh, Argent is one of my favorite wallets. Has been for the user experience, but I think adoption has been slow because of mainnet gas fees, gas fees and it's been built on uh, Ethereum mainnet. Now, I don't think they wanted to compromise by going to like a, a side chain of any mm. sort, right? Like Argent has always been like, let's be bankless, a, be- a bankless wallet. It looks like they are coming to Starknet, though. This is, of course, a ZK-powered roll-up, which is pretty cool. Um, So this is Argent the Wallet, and then Starknet for computation account abstraction. So Starknet speed plus Argent Wallet UX equals rocket ship. Pretty cool. Uh, I haven't seen anything here yet, but I know this was in the in the in the works from Argent. So I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing this out in the wild. I don't know when it's coming. Do you have any more details? Yeah, the the world of smart contract wallets, of which Argent is, the the future is ultimately smart contract wallets. We just have to get there. And the world of smart contract wallets is uh, hamstrung by the L1 by the nature of it being slow and expensive. Um, smart contract wallets on a layer twos are going to be wallets with superpowers. And so I, I know we're all frustrated about like the MetaMask UI right now and just like the lack of wallet infrastructure. The wallets will take over the world with uh, smart contract wallets on L2. Uh, you heard it here on Bankless when Vitalik talked about this on an episode that we did with him. So if you want to peek into that information more, there's a show available to you on that. Absolutely. Uh, also, new wallets are coming to the space. This is the XDI wallet. What's interesting about X-Defi, this? XDefi. XDefi. Excuse me. Not XDI. XDefi wallet. Uh, I think we announced this like two weeks ago, or mm-hmm. they announced it and we reported on it in uh, the weekly rollup. What's interesting now is it looks like they're going to have a token mm-hmm. associated with this wallet. Um, one conclusion that well, one implication of this, I think, is this is probably going to cause a token rush in the wallet scene, right? So when MetaMask token. When MetaMask uh, token. Hmm. We saw this with Sushi, right? So Sushi copied Uniswap and then released a token and Uniswap didn't plan to release a token, decided it had to release a token in order to fight back. Maybe we'll see something similar play out with uh, with MetaMask. What are your takes here? Yeah, it, it's one of those things where I don't actually necessarily think that XDeFi wallet needs a token, but tokens are like steroids, right? You just inject growth community in, into your application with a token. And it's one of the reasons why we think everything is going to have a token in the future. Um, you can have your product 
And then you can also have your product and a token. And that just adds new features and capabilities to it. Definitely a token arms race going on. I think mm -hmm. that's what this will propel. But MetaMask is, is hearing users as well, particularly Ledger users. Mm -hmm. I think that the experience between a Ledger hardware wallet, which I love, and MetaMask, which I also love, has not been ideal. And I yeah. think a lot of folks listening to this will uh, will realize that and recognize that. There are lots of different updates. Some browsers don't work. And there's it's difficult because there's multiple parties involved here, right? There's MetaMask. There's Ledger. There's Chrome. the apps that you're using. There's Chrome. There's all the browsers. Like So a lot of parties have to get this right. So it's not any one like individual group's fault. But MetaMask is looking to smooth this out. It sounds like teaming up with Ledger to smooth this out, and it's coming soon. The new support, they say, will be entirely in-browser, seamless connection between Ledger and MetaMask. My god, I can't wait for that. Yes, <laughs> seamless yes. connection, please. I would love to delete Firefox from my computer. Is that what you, you have to use? I, uh, I, MetaMask I have to use, yeah, MetaMask and Firefox and use my Ledger, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, I mean, Chrome is just completely... Uh, Chrome, just Chrome really, really like, heft the industry a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about this, David. This is why optimism, which which of course is a uh, layer two rollup that we love, an optimistic rollup that we love. I think that was a, a post written by the optimistic, uh, the optimism team rather. What's going on here? Yeah, this is Justin J. Moses from the Synthetics team. We've had him on the show as well before. And he writes a tweet uh, talking about why optimism, uh, which is a take about the release. And basically he says that the reason why he likes optimism is because of the whole EVM uh, compatibility, uh, or excuse me, EVM uh, equivalence strategy that Optimism is going for in contrast to EVM compatibility. What EVM equivalence means is that the optimistic rollups produced by the Optimism team are as close to the EVM as possible, meaning that a lot of the, <laughs> this, God damn it, I just realized why you did that. <laughs> meaning that the, <laughs> sorry, sorry for the podcast listeners, this is very visual show today. Um, meaning that like the EVM equivalence means that all of the developer tooling, the infrastructure, the nodes, anything that you need to run an Ethereum uh, run Ethereum, you can also use to run optimism, optimistic rollups run by Optimism. Uh, so having EVM equivalents allows you to port all the network effects of Ethereum also to the Optimism rollups. And that is uh, the design uh, the design philosophy of, of Optimism and really just the strategy to make everything into an optimistic rollup for just by latching on to the network effects of Ethereum itself. Uh, so the, the line that the Optimism team likes to give is Optimism uh, rollups from Optimism are Ethereum. They're actually, it's not a layer two, it's actually just part of the EVM at the base chain. Uh, so that's kind of a technical differentiation, but the, the strategy of, of EVM equivalence, I'm really, really bullish on. Would you say, David, almost that it's like it's like turtles all the way down? Would you go as far as to God, say that? You can't just like skip to the conclusion of the <laughs> announcement post and just say that because you're just going to confuse everyone. <laughs> the way the, re the reason why it's turtles all the way down is because uh, of again EVM equivalence, right? It's it's Ethereum all the way down, and the, the, Ryan just skipped to the meme at the end of the, of the blog it's, post. It was the best. It was the best. It was my favorite part. Okay, uh, I you know no further explanation needed. Okay, ultra scalable Ethereum. David, you wrote a post this week, mm -hmm. why modular blockchains are the best scaling solution for crypto. We also did the State of the Nation that was based on this post. Um, I thought it went pretty well. We kind of prepared it last minute, uh, but it, you know, it was very well received. What's the TLDR of this post? I guess 
the reason it's in the releases section is because uh, there hasn't been a lot released on modular blockchain design. So we, we did it ourselves. This is, we, we, we tried to do it ourselves. Polynaya, Anthony Sassano, some others in the industry have been doing this, but we tried to wrap it up and package it for you. So what's the, uh, what's the quick summary here? Yeah, so the whole idea of modular blockchains has actually been around for a while, but it's that modular word that really unlocks things. And, and we've talked about this a few times before, but the power of naming something, of actually ascribing a name to something is really, really powerful. Because once you have a name for something, you can actually talk about it. And Polynaya, uh, I, I think maybe maybe it happened elsewhere, but really Polynaya is the one that really surfaced the concept of modular blockchains to just to the, the Twitter sphere, the, the public knowledge. And so uh, Paul and I, we, it's a pseudonymous writer, they write short blog posts. And so one thing that we do very, very well at Bankless is that when we collate a lot of ideas and collapse them into one single blog post. And so that is what we did. So if you are trying to understand the concept of modular blockchains, uh, which is a really, really important concept to understand, all the, the future, of crypto is via modular blockchains. And I, and I say this uh, line at the very, very end. If we like went back in, in history, back to like 2009 and or into a parallel universe and we rolled the dice again about how the crypto industry uh, would pan out, it will pan out into modular blockchains 99.9% .9 of the time. Every single time it'll end up at a modular blockchain design uh, construction. And so this blog post goes through why that argument is true and how Ethereum is working towards a modular design structure, allowing Ethereum to become ultra scalable Ethereum. So Bankless listeners know all about ultra sound money, ultra sound ETH. Now we have ultra scalable Ethereum. And these two things go hand in hand. I'm actually working on another blog post that talks about the relationship between the positive flywheel effects of Ethereum and how the more scalable Ethereum becomes, actually the more ultra sound Ether becomes as a money. And the more ultra sound that Ether becomes as money, the more valuable it becomes, the more scalable Ethereum is allowed to get. It's this positive feedback loop that the modular design structure enables uh, that really just uh, is going to propel Ethereum into this ultrasound money, ultra scalable future. And the reason this is really important, guys, is because it if this thesis holds true, it will really inform how you approach this space, how you think about this space, how you invest in this space. So and I think it's a thesis that is underexplored in the market right now and, and very much underrated. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the comments we made at the top of this post is like, we feel like the ultra scalable Ethereum story and the scalability of Ethereum story is as underrated as ETH the asset was back in 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. Now, if folks remember from that timeline, no one thought ETH was worth anything, okay? Mm -hmm. Trading like $150, people said it was just gas, just a utility coin, was never going to be a money, never going to be a store of value, okay? That's what the narrative for Ethereum scalability is like out there in the market. Everyone says, ETH will never scale. There are all of these improving like new, uh, ETH killers that will take its place. I think the modular blockchain idea inverts that entire concept, flips it on its head. So you got to wrap your mind around that. Again, we have this blog post. We have the State of the Nation from earlier this week. David has even read out the post for you. We are if you are an audio <laughs> listener, he's got this post on YouTube. You could just listen to it into your ears rather than read. Right. We, we've done all the things. Like, go consume one of these things. Like, the, what do you want? You want me to read it to you? Do you want to listen to me and Ryan talk about it? Do you want to read the blog post? I don't know. Do something. Interpretive something's dance, a, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's next. <laughs> All right, release time, big releases. Oh my God, look at this one. Mm -hmm. Parallel, this is a, an NFT sci-fi card game. Just raised a cool five, at a cool $500 million valuation. The card game has not been released, $500 million, but 
Um, massive valuation, huge investor behind this. This is Paradigm. David, what's the story here? Yeah, when I hear a sci-fi card game, I'm thinking something like Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering, but now as NFTs. Uh, we've seen this model before with Gods Unchained from Immutable. Uh, I, I like c card games. Um, I play Hearthstone every now and then, uh, and I'm, now I really, really want to play this thing, uh, especially when playing the game might earn me some really dope NFTs that I can sell for Ether maybe. Look, Axie Infinity has just blown the doors, mm -hmm. you know, through this entire industry. Yeah. Now everyone's piling into these uh, crypto games. I think it's going to be a n next mega trend. The, um, NFTs the, are, yeah, go ahead. The amount that Axie Infinity moved the needle is absolutely yeah. insane. It's one of the biggest needle movers yeah. I've ever seen ever. Yeah, and it and it happened so fast. It caught a lot of people by surprise, which totally. is, I think, everyone thought, "Well, my God, we're underallocated. Now yeah. we have to, you know, pile in." Um, okay. What another thing think people are filing, piling into is funds uh, are piling into NFTs. What is this story with Metaphor Capital? Metaphor Capital raises $100 million to buy up rare NFTs. So it's an NFT fund. Uh, very unfortunately put the Mechaverse as the thumbnail to their uh, the, the article that they wrote. The Mechaverse Oof. is an Oof. NFT project. It's not doing so hot. Um, really? What happened with this? Uh, it was one of those uh, mm. NFT projects that had the like the reveal scheme. So everyone would buy the unrevealed Mechaverses and then they would reveal them. And then turns out like I, my complaint about the Mechaverses was that they were very undifferentiated. Like the rares looked like the the mids looked like the floors and yeah. overall like i just i followed the uh, nft flipper bot so whenever i see somebody flip an nft like a tweet goes out and you just see people just like uh, failed fumbled flip fumbled flip going from like people bought it for six eth selling it for like 1.5 eth big oof anyways that's a that's actually a side quest unrelated metaphor capital invests 100 million dollars in buying rare nfts including uh things like board ape yacht club and i think of many of the other nfts that that we know today just crazy. This would be a crazy story. Like if you told me that, you know, last year at this time, there'd mm -hmm. be funds that are just dedicated to buying NFTs, not yeah, buying crazy. startups or NFT infrastructure, but $100 million just to purchase NFTs. Like, do you see this in the traditional world? Mm -mm. Does anyone buy like Picasso art, art or Michelangelo? Funds? Like art funds? I, I think so. Happening. I think there's fractional art platforms, but like... Yeah, there's definitely there's fractional, but like... I don't think Have you ever funds. heard of a raise of $100 million right. to just go buy like you know, items. Monet's, yeah. Monet's, yeah. The Monet's is there like fund. an art ETF that exists? Is that a thing? Hmm, I wonder. I bet there is. There, there will be in crypto, that's for sure. There definitely will be. It'll be way easier as well. We have mm -hmm. the primitives to build it. Um, let's talk about this as well. Blockchain infrastructure provider Alchemy just clinched a $3.5 billion valuation. They raised $250 million. Our friends at A16Z are in on it. Just a Chris given. Dixon yeah. from A16Z will be on the podcast on Monday. We just recorded with him this week. So catch that podcast on Monday. Um, just, yeah. Anyway, Alchemy, what do they do, David? They, they're basically um, a lot of the data infrastructure mm -hmm. behind... All everything you see in in crypto, like when your Uniswap page loads, some of that data is being served by Alchemy. Um, you know, all of the various DeFi apps use it as like kind of a data layer. Um, people think that Infura provides a lot of this. Actually, behind the scenes, it's a lot of it's Alchemy. Mm -hmm. Some of it's the graph as well. So this is kind of the um, not it's not a blockchain layer, but it's like a data services layer. It's almost like an AWS uh, for blockchain specific data and indexing and APIs and that sort of thing. So I can I can understand why it's worth what it's worth. I would like to know the business model, like how they actually capture value. Um, maybe it's like deal flow if they're routing transactions in the same way that kind of like Robinhood sells its flow to, to Citadel, which kind of is an unfortunate analogy, but it might work the same either way. Um, they raised $250 million. That's a lot of money at a $3.5 billion valuation. That's huge. 
yeah i mean but they're servicing nfts they're servicing like all all so much infrastructure actually depends on this the back end which is uh mm-hmm. which is alchemy which is um i guess cool it's also a little concerning i hope that there's a plan to sort of decentralize some of this stuff too but let's talk about this um hype just raised two million dollars on a follow-on funding round so this is um something that's been I, I think a lot of folks have been thinking about for a while it's like we have nfts right um they're instantiated in the physical world as you can see if, you, if you're listening to this there's also a passionate community NFT holders, but we don't have a, a, a NFT native social media platform, right. do we? Mm-hmm. We just like nope. put it in our Twitter profile, but there's no way really to like flex or tell the story of the NFT or create an NFT specific profile. That's what hype is for. That's what hype is trying to do. It's an NFT social media company, a social community that's really focusing on the lore of NFTs. Do you want to explain it some more? What is this idea of lore behind NFTs as well? Yeah, it's like, it's basically a social media page for you, but not you for your NFTs, right? So yes. like, <laughs> so I, I loaded up my page, I you can, uh, and so there, there are just in the same way that there's Twitter handles, there are hype handles. Uh, Ryan, you can find Ryan at hyy.pe, that's the hype website, slash RSA for Ryan, also slash uh, David Hoffman for me. Can, can I like friend you, David? Because I, I know I you asked so, me yeah. to do that. And I haven't had. Yeah, is yeah. David Hoffman? I'm, he, Hoffman? I'm trying to get Ryan to be my friend for years now, and like, oh my I, God. I, like dude, I'm doing it now. Follow? Yeah, do follow. I follow? Yeah, yeah, hit follow. Okay. Yeah. So like, oh, any, that was easy. any any time, like, you get to create stories about your NFTs. Friends. Like, yeah, yeah. Now my NFT is going to come visit your NFT. It's like, oh, I can post on Ryan's NFT wall. Say, hey, how's your NFT doing today? Um, my NFT is great, man. How, how's your punk? <laughs> my turtle's doing great. Uh, punk's doing lovely. It's a good day to be a punk, as always. And so yeah, this is a social media platform for NFT. So you can go sign up right now and then you can start making posts about your NFTs and have a little NFT community. And it reads directly from the chain. So you just plug in your MetaMask wallet. All of the NFTs like can be verified. I'm excited uh, to see what they'll actually build here. I'm actually excited to um, like follow maybe it's other turtles, other members of the community, see what you're doing, see what you're buying. Like it's going to be a whole social stream for NFTs, which is really cool. Disclaimer, um, Ryan right. and I are seed investors in uh, yeah. We had to be couldn't yeah. couldn't ignore that one. Uh, Coinlist, what are they doing, man? Coinlist, mm-hmm. they're now valued at one point five billion dollars. They just got a fresh fresh one hundred million dollars in funding. I think they're up to seventy five employees. They plan to double. What's the what does Coinbase Coinlist actually do? That's mm-hmm. where you can, uh, if you if you're retail, you can sort of get in on recent and you're based in the U.S. Generally, like you can get on in on recent token launches, right? That's that's where I mostly know. Coinlist. Um, Coinlist is one of the uh, companies that came around during the ICO era and wanted to be like picks and troubles for ICOs and then actually made it through the bear market, right? And (laughs) and actually made it all the way through. And so then Coinlist is basically a token launch platform. And it has like, uh, it's just uh, services and infrastructure, minting your token, compliance, KYC, um, you know, uh, uh, capital uh, collection, all that kind of stuff. Have you ever purchased anything from Coinlist? No. I get all my tokens from Uniswap. Yeah. I, I registered. I think I've done a few things, but not too much. But a ton of people have, and um, you know, many of these launches have actually worked out very well for them. Yes, so, yes. Not surprised yep. at uh, this listing. All right, that that's our raises for the week. Now it's our weekly reminder to tell you to get a job and get crypto. a job. Listen to the turtle. Get a job. <laughs> Listen what <laughs> Listen the turtle punk. tells you. <laughs> <laughs> the turtle's telling you to get a job. That might be a good idea. This is this is a uh, serious business here. In crypto, we are building the future, and there are a lot of fantastic jobs that are available for you on the head head of Ethereum research at Immutable. Oh my God, that is a dream job! Crypto gaming, right? Ethereum, right? 
uh, research layer layer twos like research layer two. that just means you go and learn stuff like that's the Australia. coolest job ever <laughs> Uh, head of research at Immutable, a head of tokens oh at Immutable God, as well. Oh my God, these are the most fun jobs ever. The master of coin, is that what that <laughs> yeah. is? Um, community builder and evangelist at Dexable, that sounds cool. Lead engineer at Hatstop Finance, community manager at, uh, you say it. E Egronanom. Egronom. And a CTO as well. At Egronom. Egronom. <laughs> and general counsel, so there's jobs for lawyers here. Mm -hmm. Smart DeFi, finance and operations, smart DeFi, senior backend engineer, so smart DeFi, uh, blockchain CTO, Merit, community manager, uh, Argon, founding blockchain engineer, Highlight, senior software engineer, Popcorn, also community lead at Popcorn. There's something for everyone here. Look at all of those. Community features. lead. Like, you just go and hang out with your bros <laughs> in the Discord. That's your job. That's got to be the best job ever, being a community <laughs> lead, right? right? Like, your job is to, to be make popular Discord in awesome. a community. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that in my spare time. Uh, anyway, I don't know how many job, featured jobs that is, but the Bankless job board just keeps on growing, guys. Um, as we always say, take a look at that job board, sign up for it. You can get these messages so we don't have to bother you every single week by telling you to get a job in crypto, even though we'll keep doing it. Yep. Yep. If you uh, sign up or I, not. I we'll guarantee you a crypto you. job is more fun than your non crypto job. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's how it works. Be. You can wear this to work. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what could be better? All right, let's talk about the big items of the week. We're going to start with Disney. So we're going to hit Disney. What else are we going to hit? Uh, oh, SHIB. Oh, my God. And WorldCoin. Yeah, okay, let's start with Disney. Yep. Disney is going to NFTs. What's happening here? Yeah, the, uh, so there are a bunch of these, like, NFT firms that are popping up. And I think the way that this works is, like, the Vivi, Veve is this new NFT, like, uh, like, I think it's, like, an agency, more or less. I think it's a collection of, like, like sales, marketing, tech infrastructure. It's like uh, another type of bridge, right? Yeah, it's another type of bridge. Like, hey, Disney, you have all this IP. We can, we will help you actually turn that IP into digital merchandise, which is basically what NFTs are. So yeah. uh, Vive is announcing that Disney will offer non-fungible tokens, NFTs, of its characters as part of its promotion. Uh, and so like, think of it as like anything that has merch, uh, merch has IP behind it, right? SpongeBob merch, like whatever merch. Uh, what is an NFT other than digital merch? right that's all it is it's all it is it's digital merch and a whole bunch of fans that want to buy it right uh and so disney is coming into the world of selling digital merch because apparently people buy digital merch uh so things like marvel uh dc comics superman james bond star trek back to the future cartoon network all of these things are going to get mouse. nfts mickey mouse the nfts like Freaking imagine mickey owning mouse. the mickey mouse star NFT. wars dude yeah disney has everything yeah uh, there, and there's a un. Uh, I don't know if this is completely true, but there's a speculation that uh, um, uh, VV is built on Immutable X, which is a uh, oh, Star cool. Starkware-based uh, layer two that settles on Ethereum. So Mickey Mouse it, coming that, to Ethereum. That's also looking for a head of tokens. That's also head looking for. <laughs> uh, and so uh, you know, Mickey Mouse on the Ethereum L1 one day. Look, man, the the. Can you imagine being in a Disney boardroom? And being mm -hmm. like, let's look at our balance sheet and all of the assets that we have, okay? And then looking at your IP, your intellectual property, all of the brands that you own, mm -hmm. that is the core asset of mm -hmm. Disney. The un then, unmonetized it, IP. Yeah, and it's then it finds there. all of these various ways to make money on top of that intellectual property, right? So like, and then it buys in new intellectual property that it thinks it can make more money on. Mm -hmm. And then seeing this NFT opportunity, mm -hmm. right? Right. What is the business case like for that? Right. If, if you're Disney, oh my God! Now it's, we can issue and sell uh -huh. NFTs. 
And we don't have to build anything in the physical world. We don't need supply part. chains, which are broken anyways. We don't need supply chains. We don't need like more plastic toys. We can actually like just distribute digitally. And there's very little like uh, variable cost for these things. I mean, every I'm shocked it's taken Disney this long right. to get to this point, right? Yeah. There, uh, there's so much to unpack here like it, there's like the narrative of like it's actually this is really good for societies because we can like be consumers and do our consumer things without actually like wasting plastic and physical materials and atoms going into the ocean we can just be like and disney's got to be so confused they're like we, we just mint these things and people buy them i okay. guess let me let me ask you this mm -hmm. how long do you think it's going to take for disney to open a theme park in the metaverse oh my god that's a really good question holy shit uh as soon as the metaverse it like arrives yeah uh, five years yeah that's what i'm gonna say yeah that sounds right three, three to five years yeah three to five years because think of the dev time you don't need to actually build the thing you just pay a bunch of coders to make it in the internet <laughs> it's amazing this is this is the future this is what's going to happen this is just mm -hmm. a small step but like um you don't gotta sign like a liability waiver like you don't need lawyers like people don't call this yeah. the media institutions are coming mm -hmm. is that a narrative we can yeah. use yeah. i mean yeah. i feel like that's what's happening the nfts yeah. the IP um, of the all world. right mm -hmm. let's talk about ship that's the other big story of the week yep. it just dominated it crushed so ship what is ship for people who are like don't understand Dude, this thing it's a dog token, i don't right? understand it either yeah it's a dog token but i you don't do you under you do understand you don't understand why it's going up but like right. what is it's just a meme isn't it what yeah. is it i don't know how it's like i can mint a token called like a, some sort of doggy token i don't know how shib got so much traction in that it did but like it's ba it was basically just a derivative of doge after doge started pumping a lot of dogs tokens came out shib being the leader uh, and for some reason it, it just collected a lot of meme power and a lot of traders and like the amount of volume that went into the shib markets this week was absolutely insane billions just flip, and billions of dollars it, it flipped doge it flipped the without thing it Elon was based Musk off yeah tweet. right like not even a billionaire supporting this thing the amount of money like so much of this trading volume happened on coinbase uh because these are all these u.s retail apes um Oh yeah, TikTok. TikTok is a great answer as to how this happened. Like apparently, uh, <laughs> TikTok. TikTok. Like <laughs> well, the, the, the very low TikTok. denomination of SHIB of 0. 0.000078 cents per coin uh, is very yeah. very low. So like you buy like a dollar of these things and you have a billion of them. And so people like to think that them. Oh, I'm a billionaire now because I have like a billion SHIB tokens. And if people it, legitimately think this thing's going to a dollar. Yeah, people like, actually I've think this thing this. right. And so like Which it would be like a trillion dollar market cap, something absolutely trillions, insane. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so ship like uh, pull up the chart ryan it, the the chart movement of it is absolutely nuts uh yeah, yeah just hit just hit refresh this is uh the trading view chart um ship to uh wh yeah zo zoom out to yeah the one year three at the months? bond yeah go one to year? go to oh uh, yeah three, three months is great. oh my god <laughs> dude it goes <laughs> the, the that is the denominated in dollars right and so it started the year it started this pump at point zero 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 five cents and then around september it jumped it did like a 6x and then we go we ended up at like 0. 0.0003 we are currently view this in market cap like what's this market cap i have to? i have maybe you can you might be able to type in in the left hand corner shib market cap that might show up i don't know though okay that's i mean right. but it is it is the market cap hit, hit the log button because you can only really view this thing in log in the bottom right All corner right. there you go 
Uh, that doesn't even it, it, it doesn't even <laughs> doesn't change move. it doesn't even move it's absolutely insane uh so yeah just like the, the again insane amounts of volume all piled into shib i don't know why it happened but it happened uh shib just like dominated the markets this week are you mad about it or do you not care uh it's just frustrating how much volume is going into these things and like i got i literally got four text messages from people not in my like crypto chats or anything it's like hey like do i sell this shib that i bought and i'm like yes what do you say? yes you absolutely sell that how yeah, do you not if, sell that but if you told someone that in the beginning of october david they'd hate you right now well i mean because but, it's gone like but they didn't text me because yeah, it didn't pump yeah if you if you're texting me about whether you should sell ship or not uh, the answer is yes the answer is yes that's yeah that that's the top signal if somebody's yeah. texting you four people sell, four people sell. yeah and it's like dude i've been trying to get you to buy ether for like four years you bought shib without asking without telling me about it like god damn it okay but people are people can be right in the short in the yeah. short run yep. and they can be very right in the short run look at this mm. uh person right this person had a wallet purchased uh this is an ethereum address eight hundred eight thousand dollars worth of ship in mm -hmm. in last august you know Dog token, yeah. YOLO purchase eight thousand dollars. Yeah, like you know, put eight thousand to yeah. throw eight thousand dollars. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, it's now worth five point seven billion dollars. So fucking insane. So crazy. <laughs> From eight thousand to five point seven billion dollars in four hundred days, we might actually be looking at the greatest individual trade of all time. And it's a shib coin. It's a meme token. We haven't talked about it mm -hmm. at all on Bankless. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know how much liquidity there actually is. Like, I don't think yeah. the guy could actually sell $5.7 billion. Of it, but he could get a, still a lot of money. It's still a fantastic Oh, he trade. could probably get a billion. Yeah, he could probably, probably get a, bi a billion. So only $8,000 billion can come dollars. out of the SHIB market and still be sustainable? Maybe. Or maybe once this kind of moves, if they see this address move. Who knows? But, right. right you right. can get hundreds of millions anyway right. let's call it that yeah. great trade no matter no matter what you're doing so like what does this teach us david I, fundamentals are dead i guess so it's everything Just stop listening to bankless advice we, we clearly <laughs> cannot find the ship markets look yeah look at you know this is uh yeah i, I don't know what to say mm -hmm. coinbase is number one in the app store it's because look at of, look, how they advertise themselves trade btc eth and ship is then the That's title Coinbase. of the Coinbase application on the three on. greatest assets of all time, <laughs> digital assets our industry can bring you: Bitcoin, ETH, SHIB. <laughs> Buy now, folks. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> meme coins are gonna meme though. This is partially why I'm actually not that mad because, like, if you're buying SHIB, um, I mean, SHIB is not actually pretending to be something it's not. Yeah. I'll say that about That's SHIB. True. That's true. Okay. It's just a dog token. This is what I actually appreciated about Doge. It's just like, it's kind of intellectually honest. It's he, it's here to be a meme and it's here to go up. And a lot of people will get wrecked by it. But like, it's not trying to pretend it's something it's right. not. It's yeah. just a meme. So and I actually appreciate that at least. Also, unlike Doge, it's built on Ethereum. So there's that. Where's the meme index? We got to buy that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, here's, if you're an ETH holder... Uh, and you missed out on SHIB. Um, it burnt 2,000 Ether in the yeah. last seven days. Yeah. 2,000 so Ether. it's an ERC-20 token, right? That's the difference, okay? Doge's got its own chain, right. has to provide its own security. SHIB actually leverages the security of Ethereum, and every time a token is purchased, sold, uh, transacted on the Ethereum network, it burns ETH which is interesting so he, here's my take on this okay so like th this is why you won't get hot tips on what 
dog coin to, to buy, buy on Bankless. Yeah. Like, because quite honestly, guys, we don't know. Yeah. All right. Like, we just don't know. And here's the other truth. Nobody does. No one does. All right. Like, I don't think anybody does. For, for the one ship that's successful, how many meme coins have crashed and burned and gone to like zero? And how many like millions of dollars have people lost on these things? Mm-hmm. Right. Or like tens of millions, hundreds of millions. Okay. So my, our strategy is to keep buying the things. It's like, it's like you buy the infrastructure. It's the Warren Buffett. Just be Warren Buffett in crypto, okay? You buy the infrastructure. You buy the things that are lasting. I'm going to keep buying ETH because SHIB is built on top of ETH. All the memes memes coming to ETH. They pump and dump. They're going to be burning some ETH, right? And Ether is something that uh, is going to be lasting, is sustaining, does have fundamentals, and you don't really have to, like, guess. So that's this dumb turtle strategy, but... Yeah, what do I know? Yeah, you're just a dumb turtle. But I'm I mean, just a dumb turtle. I'm, I'm also doing the same thing. So there's that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll see what the next one is, David. Do you think? How do you think this ends? Let me ask you that before we go to the. You think this is um, uh, it's ship like, up only? It, the fact that it flipped Doge gives it a bunch of Lindy. So I think ship is, is it's here to stay, man. It's it's meme is officially stuck. Flipping ETH next, flipping Bitcoin God next. Damn. Oh gosh, we we will take the week we'll off quit. if that happens. Yeah, no roll up on that week, guys. Yeah. If that happens. Uh-uh. Uh, third news item of the week: Worldcoin, a new cryptocurrency that will be fairly distributed. This is what Sam Altman says. Worldcoin got a lot of, I think, like negative attention. Oh yeah, in the crypto native world, very negative. But it got lots of mainstream attention. I'll definitely say that but what is the experiment trying to do yeah the, we've seen a few of these experiments uh be attempted before there was this initiative q back in 2018 that tried to do the same thing basically it wants to verifiably distribute the same amount of money currency new tokens new cryptocurrency to everyone so everyone receives the exact same amount across the whole entire globe and so this requires uh anti-sybil attacks right so like you, you can't just like spin up a bunch of sock puppets you can't I just distribute everything to uh, like all the Ethereum addresses because I, I own multiple Ethereum addresses. So they need to verify that they, when they give this currency, they give the same amount to every single person. They don't actually allow people to get it twice. Uh, and so the way that they're doing that is with this weird orb hardware thing that like scans people's irises. And so it it uses a retina scan to check out your iris and, and make sure that it never gave you any crypto before, before you got your retina scanned. Uh, this is and, it. Yeah. And so, like, apparently that is, they've gotten just a lot of people to get their irises scanned so they can get this free crypto, right? Uh, and so, like, they're using the, this orb as a mechanism to, not, to verifiably give everyone the same amount of, of crypto without giving any one person more than one share of crypto because they check all the irises against each other. I think you can see why crypto Twitter got pretty upset about this whole thing. Uh, why? Uh, just like giving up your irises for, for some crypto. So here, <laughs> for here. airdrops? Yeah, g- give you us, do dumber things for airdrops. Let's just let, just re- let us register your DNA so we can <laughs> so we can give you crypto. Like the, I it, actually I don't know the privacy implications of this. Are they like are they deleting it? Is it just using cash? Is it just for unique identification? I I don't know those details. Yeah, I, no, yeah. They, they apparently they they scan the the retina. They turn it into a hash. They delete the actual scanned retina, but they keep the hash, and so that's why it's private. Also, but like it's just very very dubious in my mind. Um, 
It is also called WorldCoin, right? Yeah, that's so, a damn bad name. I mean, that that's going to get some resistance on just crypto Twitter. Right, very 2017, general, right? very 2017 ish. Well, it sounds like it just sounds like something Mark Zuckerberg would come up with, right? right. And yeah. uh, so there's that. But he, he, here's some of the flip side of this, okay? So the flip side is I go back to an Naval tweet that really you know struck me. I think he tweeted this in 2017, 2018, like. Crypto has tried a lot of monetary experiments, and generally, it, it's it's trying sort of the the uh, the ground up hard money type of experiments through Bitcoin and Ether, right? But but the hardest part about money is actually distribution, and in crypto, we've never tried a Sybil resistant distribution mechanism, right? It's like, what if we could distribute this to a billion people mm-hmm. around the world and seed start up a money? that way okay like we couldn't do that with with uh, bitcoin because while it was fair distribution it wasn't like accessible to many people you had to be sort of nerdy you had to like like follow the right forms be in the right internet chat rooms like run a miner all of these like nerdy difficult things so the distribution wasn't very wide it was maybe fair but it wasn't wide and so what about a monetary experiment in crypto where we're distributing this thing as widely as possible and seeding a non-sovereign money that way. So that's why the experiment, like I'm not ready to like go the crypto Twitter and totally dismiss it. Like I actually want to hear more. The other thing that is interesting to me is this does not feel like a, a we're building a better blockchain. Hi, we're in crypto. We're here to build a, a better layer one uh, type of experiment, which you've seen play out so many times in the past, which just like frustrates and annoys me. They're actually building this on a layer two. Okay, Ethereum secured layer two. They're building this on um, some kind of a rollup. I don't know the details of this. It's called Hubble, I believe. Yeah, I never heard of it before. Um, But there's some cool tech behind it, right? So they can actually compress and get uh, that this this is an ERC twenty token. So it's a it's a coin on Ethereum. I think transaction costs are going to cost like three cents, three to six cents per transaction. Again, all fully secured by Ethereum on this rollup. So some of their technical decisions are actually kind of cool. So on the one hand, you've got like WorldCoin and you've got like put insert your eye here. On the other, you've got maybe there's some opportunity to do a new monetary experiment that is distributed beyond just kind of the geeks and nerds that are into crypto today. And also it's built on uh, layer two. So they're not trying to like create their own blockchain and um, you know, fix crypto that way. Um, this was an interesting take by uh, by Token Tech. So why don't you read this? A fun Aiden. little joke. So uh, this is the uh, the uh, trade offer meme format in a tweet. The trade offer is: we get your eyeballs, you get a taxable event. <laughs> because if <laughs> you receive an airdrop, you receive a taxable event. So you're giving up yeah. your data, and then you get a taxable event. Uh, I will agree with you that the pursuit of what they're trying to do i think is noble and it's a very viable experiment to run there's just that inevitable friction of like all right like the in order to achieve completely fair distribution you have to verify the uniqueness of each human and verifying the uniqueness of each human requires some sort of data or property about how that human is unique who that person is so you are inherently going into the private lives of that individual because you need to establish uniqueness um it's one of those things that like maybe the experiment's unique but just getting there is just too damn hard i think the other thing that that gave crypto twitter a bad taste and smells when this first releases it was just chock full of vcs oh, it was yeah. just only vcs all vcs all in the, way the funding down. of this right. and there were no kind of crypto native type mm-hmm. outreaches like not a lot of community development yet so 
we'll see how that emerges. But here's the thing. I think we should give them a fair shot on Bankless if they decide to come on the show at some point in time. And uh, like just hear kind of the pros and cons. I'd be interested to dive into their layer two technology and hear more about that. So um, I'm not ready to completely dismiss it, but I'm also not ready to get my eyeball scanned yet. <laughs> yeah, the thing is like, how do VCs benefit from this when it's inherently a global distribution, right? Like, do they have their own supply of the coin at the same time as they're trying to have this equitable distribution? Know. Like, how do they- so how many questions. Right, uh, how do they get upside here? Yeah, definitely so many questions. Uh, guys, those are your three news items of the day. Let's get into some other news items as well. Our friends at Goldman Sachs, they just figured out our that friends. DeFi our, our has its advantages over traditional finance. Um, that's what they said. They, they created a report that said DeFi is great. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. From Goldman Sachs, David. Thanks, Goldman. Would you have ever thought? I never, never, ever. Well, I mean, <laughs> one day, but I guess it's happening a lot sooner than I expected. Why are they doing this? Do you think? Why are they doing this? Because they know DeFi is about to come eat their lunch and they have to come to terms with it. They remember, so Goldman Sachs, actually, they invested in uh, in our friend uh, Eric Peters' firm. Maybe that's why I uh, subconsciously called them friends. Right? Uh, they so, filled their bags and now they're shilling. Nice. Good yeah. strategy. Good strategy. Good strategy. Fill your bags first and then, yep. then shill uh -huh. is F the strategy fill, fill here. Fill then shill. <laughs> Polygon. Okay, so... I think hacks have been a theme this week in the uh, the Ethereum ecosystem. Polygon just dodged an $850 million hack. A white hat discovered this in advance. Uh, they paid out the white hat, a $2 million bounty for finding that critical vulnerability. The largest bounty ever bad. paid ever to anyone. Well-deserved. Yeah, well-deserved. Like yeah, congrats. Like Set the record for highest bounty paid to that one guy. Uh, or girl. Uh, so congratulations to that white ha hacker. Thank you for not, <laughs> thank you for taking the $2 million rather than the $850 million. We appreciate that. It's it's an interesting trade. I'm glad that um, they're being paid so well for these things because like, you know, it's let's, say you had, let's say you had no morality, no ethics were not involved and you're just doing like an expected value analysis right. and you have like 850 million on one hand, mm -hmm. but like you have to live a completely, right. I guess, pseudonymous life, maybe make sure that you're covering your tracks. Like, right. can you actually get away with $850 million? Right. And, or on the other side, you get $2 million, you're yeah. a hero, yeah. free and clear. So, what choice do you make? Right. No morals, David. Yeah. Which one would you do? Oh, no, no morals? No morals, David. What would he do? Yeah, see, like the, the cumbersome of living a life with $850 million that I can't use, like, is it actually worth $850 million if you can't actually like buy a house with it because you can't actually send that outbound? Like, right, right, uh, yeah. And like, I, 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 I'm a person that enjoys being liked. Uh, and so I'll take, I'll take the praise <laughs> of doing the noble thing. I would do that too. Yeah. I mean, like just no morals Ryan would do that too. Like I would, <laughs> rather than live like a, a drug lord. I mean, who right. wants to, I right. mean, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't want to live on the land like that. So mo mo money, mo problems. <laughs> That's right. Especially when it's stolen money. Yeah. <laughs> not that I would know. Okay, I'm not uh, a hacker. Um, never done anything of the sort. Cream Finance was exploited though for 130 million dollars. Here's a Here's hacker the other who half went of the story. The <laughs> a black hat. So. Uh, Yo, they, hacker, in one year, let us know how your life's going. <laughs> Are you living like a drug lord right now? Are you wearing a turtle costume to like, be in disguise? Um, all right, but so, okay, this is actually serious. We shouldn't be laughing about yeah, this because sorry, people sorry. Uh, lost some money. Um, Cream Finance, it it is a, I guess it's not a first tier DeFi. Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, compound, protocol. it's an Aave, Second but tier, it's, third it, yeah, tier. it goes after the long tail of assets, which is inherently where the risk comes in. 
And uh, they've been hacked before. There have been issues before. This is the biggest one, though, $130 million. And uh, I'm not sure how this is going to be resolved. I think the story is, is still developing. But um, I think I saw the message. Okay, this is this is uh, what the, the attacker wrote. Um, Bave lucky, iron bank lucky, cream not. Why dev? Incest bad, don't do. That was the cryptic message they received. Hmm. Hackers are weird. I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe maybe the hacker isn't an English speaker, but they wrote in English for some reason. I don't know. Okay. Or maybe they're trying to like disguise. Yeah. Incest bad, don't do. I don't think that's a mistranslation. (laughs) I think that's just being weird. Okay. Uh, Anyway, uh, bad news for Cream. Um, I think this is another, like every once in a while we get these things in DeFi and it's just another realization that you have to be careful. Okay. Like, uh, this is, uh, I thought Cyrus had a great tweet about this. In my opinion, dApps that I'm willing to put greater than 50% of my total net worth into in no order. Number one, Maker. Well, he, he, pre- he previously worked at Maker, so do know that. Yes, okay. But also, well, that, that's actually a good sign then, right? Yeah, sure. Because yeah. he's seen all of the skeletons. He knows where the right. bodies are buried, right. I guess. Uh-huh. Maker, Ave, Compound, Curve, Uniswap. Those are the five, right? So there are tiers of safety mm-hmm. inside of even even DeFi, right? So we always end the show with this, like DeFi is risky. You could lose what you put in. Be careful. We're headed west. All right. But like some DeFi is far riskier than other DeFi as well. And there are some applications in DeFi that have reached the point at which, not that they're unhackable, but they are someone like Cyrus, who's on the inside, he's willing to put in 50% or greater of his total net worth. in. I probably feel the same about these protocols uh i don't know if you'd add any to this list david or like would you agree with this list i definitely do agree with that list that's the, these are the applications i consider like home these are the applications yeah. that I, I use, use and, and feel familiar Ish. with um and there's a lot of like people ask often ask me like how do i actually evaluate a DeFi app at the risk of a DeFi app if i don't know how to code and i actually made a talk and paper about this uh so if you want to go to youtube and type in settlement assurances and the protocol synthesis at the ethereal virtual summit i thought i gave the equation of uh time value locked where you just take the value that's been deposited into some of these applications and then you look at how long that value has been there so there's two variables how much value and how much time and the more and more a protocol just lives with having a bunch of money inside of it, it's an indication of how safe these things are. And the these five applications that Cyrus uh, lists off have an insanely high time value locked measurement. So they, they've had a lot of money in there for a lot of time without exploits. And so these are generally a nice litmus test for how secure an app is. Uh, Cream, not that young or not that old, like it was built in DeFi summer and not that much total value locked in it and also spread over a large amount of assets. So the risk is all there. So th- these are the nice little like uh, quick mental calculations you can make, make to understand how to totally evaluate agree. a DeFi app. I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that metric as well. A, a couple other, I guess, uh, you know, caveats too is often if one of these major protocols upgrades, the the Lindy can sort of reset a yep. little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful with uh, a, a version two of Uniswap versus, versus a version three, because they could be a little different. Agreed. The other thing that uh, has a bit of a different risk profile is, say, using Uniswap on a layer two versus using it on mainnet, right? So we just saw a sidechain like Polygon with a hack in it. Right. in it itself so it's not as safe as as on mainnet so there's some stratifications of this but uh yeah a, uh, i totally agree with uh with that metric that's the best way you can tell i mean you, David, you, let's can, you can also judge layer twos by the same metric right how much money exactly. is deposited onto layer twos for how much time exactly 
Um, let's talk NFTs of Reddit doing some stuff in the NFT space. What are they doing? Yeah, we've always known that Reddit is very, very Ethereum friendly. And they've been working uh, with, I think Arbitrum won the Reddit uh, scaling bake-off and now they are integrating tokens into Reddit. There already are like rewards and like little icons that you can reward posters and commenters. Uh, I think now they're just actually, the, the problem with those little icons that you pay for is like they're just super inflationary, right? Um, yeah, and so cares, like right? maybe now like with Reddit and actually like scarce rewards, scarce like You can't like, sell them, you can't do anything with them, yeah. like who cares? Yeah, once they become NFTs though, it really opens up the world of like actually incentivizing good content. And like when you right. actually receive a reward, that actually means something because it's actually an NFT. Uh, so cool. So the Reddit, the biggest social media network, one of the biggest social media networks ever, uh, one of the most trafficked websites ever is getting Ethereum to have its backend for NFTs. It's fantastic. Do you know, do you know also I read uh, recently, they're actually one of the least um, valuable social media right. networks yeah. per user, right? Right. Because they just so can't monetize. Reddit, yeah. Reddit users were making a joke and they're like, hey, we're the least valuable users of any social media platform <laughs> out there. This was a Reddit post I was reading the other day. And it's true. So the, the cool thing about this, though, is for Reddit, why are they moving into Web3 so quickly? It's because they have the most to gain versus these other social media platforms that have these legacy Web2 models. And I think Reddit is realizing that. And they could gain big from this NFT and token uh, emergence and by adopting Web3 early. And there's a ton of overlap with like the structure <laughs> of Reddit and the nature of like Ethereum communities. Like every subreddit is a community. Totally. Every DAO is a community. Every token all, is a community. There's all communities all the way down. They're all DAO. Like, yeah, they're yeah. all DAOs, right? Mm -hmm. There's a subreddit, a DAO, and they're right. they're also um, fairly permissionless. Like anyone can totally. kind of spin up yep. a, a new subreddit. Yeah, um, so I expect the integration between Reddit and Ethereum to just be a very long story. Me too. Uh, this is a story that's just starting, which is Twitter's integration with NFTs. We, we started talking about this about a month ago, but um, what are the updates here? Yeah, so instead of just having a verified NFT, which is what we talked about last time, it looks like they're creating a whole new tab in Twitter. So for people familiar with Twitter, you have the tweets, you have the tweets and replies column, you have the media column, and then you have likes. It looks like they are adding a collectibles and so you can just look How at- How big is that? Right, that's huge. That's like very, very core features in, into yeah. like your Twitter profile. So like you can just go to the collectibles tab and you can see all the NFTs that you own, uh, which I'm assuming would be verified. Uh, so yep. you, it's just another like NFT gallery inside of like your Twitter app. This is going to- This is the bull case for NFTs, by right. the way, is Web2 just basically adopts NFTs and then they saturate even further. So like- that's uh, why PFPs are so valuable. If, if we have this collectibles tab where we can put all of our NFTs, do we have to take our NFTs off of our picture? Because <laughs> it's already there. I think, no, I think the NFTs in your picture like will be uh, verifiable too. Yeah. Right. Like, right. But what, the, what I'm saying is that if, if there's a gallery for viewing your NFTs, like, do you really need an NFT as your profile picture anymore? Can we just all go back to being humans now? <laughs> you don't want to go back. Do you? <laughs> Absolutely. Would not. you go back? No. Would I, you ever change? I, I am my punk. My punk is me. I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> you look, you're starting to look resembling your punk more and more every day. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about this. WordPress NFT auction plugin powered by Zora. Okay, so WordPress is like the biggest open source website um, tooling yep. in the world. Yep. Uh, everyone uses most, WordPress. Most websites are WordPress websites, yeah. Now they have plugins for NFTs. Really yeah. cool. Yeah, just like printer, like printing press for NFTs connected right into Zora. Uh, really good alignment, I think, because Zora is like the most open source aligned out of all the NFT platforms. So it makes sense that they hook right into WordPress. The amount of NFTs that are about to be minted in 2022 is absolutely insane. 
Another institution that's coming to crypto is the Web2 institution. They are coming to crypto in a big way. Uh, so is Photoshop. So is right. Adobe. What's happening here, David? Yeah, so uh, any user of uh, Photoshop will know that you, when you are finished with a file, you can export it as a particular file type. Apparently, Photoshop will get a prepare as NFT option. I don't know Just what that it. means, but that has, <laughs> I think, some sort of verifiability with like, you can claim that you are actually the first person to make the JPEG using Photoshop. I think it's like an wow. inter, I think that's the vibe, uh, but I don't know. Uh, NFT features going into software these days. Guys, that's just in one week, right. all this stuff's happening. The biggest software applications in the world now adopting NFTs, now adopting crypto. Right. Um, pretty crazy, mm -hmm. pretty insane. Uh, yeah, this is more on the uh, the Adobe thing. Um, I make I make all my memes in Photoshop, so I think when I really? export these memes, I'll just like export them as NFTs, I guess. Oh, that's that's very professional, yeah. sir. Yeah. Photoshop memes, wow. Okay, it's the only thing I um, use. <laughs> economy, the Economist. Last week we mentioned that they were selling the Economist cover. Guess how mm -hmm. much it sold for? Not enough. One thousand dollars <laughs> lower than it should have been. Um, they sold for, it for four hundred and nineteen thousand dollars, missing the classic four twenty thousand. <laughs> but but whatever. Yeah, it's very, good haul. That's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Four hundred twenty thousand dollars ish uh, for you know, and and again, as we pointed out last time, this is this is going to be the first of many. Everyone's going to be selling their their um, iconic magazine titles as NFTs, magazine covers as NFTs. After this, so the uh, the, the economists had their meeting where like, all right, we're going to do a DeFi like a uh, crypto cover, right? And like yeah. one person in that meeting was like, you know, what we should do, we should NFT it. <laughs> Boom, $420,000 idea, like bam. Like who, who saw that coming? I hope that guy got a raise yeah, that, or yeah. that girl got yeah. a raise, mm -hmm. you know, definitely worth it. Um, take 10% cut next time <laughs> or just work for a DAO where mm -hmm. you get rewarded uh, for these contributions. Okay, Bitcoin, uh, what's Bitcoin doing? Some firefighters, a pension, firefighters pension are purchasing Bitcoin. And uh, Ether. That's pretty cool. And Ether, yep. And Ether too? Yeah, okay. look at that. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wherever you see Bitcoin, you see Ether these days. This fund has invested $25 million into crypto. This is the first U.S. public pension plan. People are familiar with pension plans. They have a lot of money, a whole lot of money. In fact, that is the vast majority of wealth in the U.S., aside from like individuals, uh, you know, rich, like mega billionaires, a lot of the money of the middle class of the working class is held inside of these big pension plans. And now the pension plans who are historically very conservative are starting to invest in crypto. Makes sense. I'm glad the firefighters are first, you know, there, yeah. there may be more, uh, a bit less risk averse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good job, firefighters. <laughs> Firefighters uh, own Bitcoin. All right. El Salvador, what did they just do? Uh, they bought 420 more Bitcoins. 420. We like the 420 number. <laughs> Yay. Uh, recent, this recent purchase brings the Latin American nation stash to about 1,120 Bitcoins. So El Salvador laser eyes. Stacking sat still El Salvador. Okay. Um, we talked about the implications of that many times. No need to get into it. But let's talk a little bit about regulatory stuff. So Coinbase is spending 800 thousand dollars on lobbying in the third quarter that's how much they spent in the third quarter so that's one quarter so i'm glad to see that coinbase is getting involved to uh, help educate and protect this industry from aggressors in dc it's fantastic i hope that number increases over time so this is just a tiny fraction of revenue um, but if you took even just like 0.1 percent 
of the total market cap of crypto, the total revenue of crypto, and applied that to lobbying in the US, what kind of a difference would right. that make, right. do you think? Yeah, we have money printers, we can make money. We should just funnel that money into fighting for having the ability to keep the money printers that we made. This is, I mean, I guess I hate that we have to do this, mm -hmm. but this gotta, is also the how game. the game is played. This is what Andrew game. Yang said in the podcast. Like he's like, I'm here to tell you that lobbying works. Yep. That mm -hmm. spending money in Washington actually works. Right. And I wish that wasn't the case. I wish the protocol would change, but like that's how the game is played. Yep. So good job, Coinbase. I hope we continue to spend in DC. I guess that's what we're going to have to do. Also, this was an interesting story, David. Uh, can you maybe right. give give us yeah. some context? So this is a story that came out of Masari Mainnet, and you were actually there when it happened. So what, what was the story, and then what's happening now? Yeah, so uh, Do Kwan of Terra was on an escalator down to give his talk at Mainnet, and waiting for him at the bottom of the escalator were a bunch of suits and ties with a subpoena. Uh, <laughs> so they served him his subpoena uh, at Masari Mainnet. People thought, like, what did they do that because like they knew that he was going to be on United States soil and so like took this opportunity to serve him did they do it inside of mainnet to flex and like scare the industry anyways uh Do Kwan has uh done the reverse uno card and Do Kwan <laughs> is now suing the SEC I actually don't know why do you know why he's suing the SEC yeah he's saying that uh, basically I, I, this is the the entire um, you know document that that defines. I, th I think he's basically saying the SEC was completely out of line, not within its rights to uh, to approach him like that and apprehend him in public at Mainnet conference. And the the lawyer goes over the case as to as to why that's the case, why it's an infringement on Doquan's rights, why it is a breach of power by the SEC. And I gotta say, some of these points make a lot of sense. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how this will stand up, but like, what a mad lad move right <laughs> i mean like you you're subpoenaing you're subpoenaing me sec no i'm suing you <laughs> yeah. i'll see you in court i'm wow i'm reminded a lot of, the, of audacity uh, i'm reminded of the uh, insanity wolf meme that was like five <laughs> yes. ten years ago from the old days so it's yes. just like sues the sec <laughs> uh, like bold strategy i i hope it works out for him yeah, you know, he's got some points, uh, but uh, not going to make friends and influence people at the SEC, yeah. that's for sure. But yeah. look, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, maybe some pushback is warranted for this right. sort of thing. And yeah. regardless, this you, kind of stuff's going to end up in court. Right. So you bully us? No, we bully you. <laughs> <laughs> we have lawyers too. Yeah. Uh, MasterCard says any bank or merchant on its vast network can soon offer its crypto, uh, its, uh, offer crypto services. So Visa's been hard in the game lately mm -hmm. i guess mastercard now following suit going down the crypto rabbit hole starting to offer crypto payment options to all of its merchants and customers pretty cool yeah just just a reminder visa mastercard these are payment networks they're not specific about any currency they are payment message like messaging yeah. networks you can put any currency you want on mastercard uh, and so mastercard wants more than just the dollars it wants bitcoin and other cryptos yeah, it's also I think it's going to use stable coins as well. We're actually going to have uh, some folks from Visa on the show later mm -hmm. in November to talk about uh, some some of the plans for Visa right. and um, talk about the DeFi mullet, David. That's what we do. Um, some regulation rumors as well. A lot of people in Treasury are talking about apparently some rumors. They're talking about uh, a push from Gary Gensler and others uh, in, in SEC and Treasury to increase the amount of regulatory scrutiny. 
uh, on stablecoins in particular. So it feels very much to me like the eye of Sauron is sort of turned towards stablecoins. I'm like, personally, I'm glad it's like not fully on DeFi right now. And they've given Bitcoin and ETH kind of a pass with, with the ETF. But it definitely feels like the eye of Sauron is, is turning on stablecoins and that's going to be a next target. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Um, the SEC apparently is claiming some jurisdiction. Some folks even at the CFTC want jurisdiction. Um, there's talk of making, like, m essentially making stablecoin issuers apply by bank rules. So FDI and C insurance and all of these other things. Uh, and of course, there's not a lot of clarity in this industry. So I don't know how this is all going to play out. It seems like various regulatory bodies are all fighting for some jurisdiction here. Uh, David, do you have any takes? Um, no, no takes here. Yeah, I, I think this goes back to, um, you know, the, basically our, our conversation with, um, with Eric uh, mm -hmm. Peters, where he's like, hey, in the short run, this sort of stuff is going to happen. Yeah. But in the long run, yeah. nation states will get on board with this and have to capitulate. And so, like, I'm less worried about this is another example of probably regulatory FUD. That's all going to be OK for crypto. We'll yeah. keep marching on. Yeah, the regulation is going to happen and uh, the crypto world will exist exactly as it intends to regardless. Uh, just got to wait and watch it happen. Speaking of Eric Peters, David, mm -hmm. let's talk about this real quick. What did, what did Eric Peters say on our podcast is being reported in crypto media? Yeah, Eric Peters says, crypto is the most interesting macro opportunity and investment of the recent of Eric's recent title that, that he ever knows of. Uh, and so Eric Peters, again, on the podcast, a very big deal in the legacy world. Uh, so when they were buying uh, Bitcoin and Ether, they were keeping it a secret because they knew that it, once it got out that uh, One River Capital Management was buying crypto, it would you know, like the, it would be a shot heard around the world. As soon as it was announced, Bitcoin set its all time highs of like $63,000 like earlier this year. Uh, and so uh, people listen to Eric Peters and Eric Peters on this podcast that I listened to called Bankless said <laughs> that uh, crypto is the most interesting macro investment uh, uh, ever. Do you know that was one of my favorite podcasts that we've done this year? Mm -hmm. I, was, I, I just thought it was phenomenal. It was a really great podcast. Um, yeah, and uh, you know Eric is uh, definitely leading the charge in the traditional institutional world here. Last thing for you, and then we will get to takes of the week. Uh, leading DeFi prediction market, Polymarket, is said to be under investigation by the CFTC. They're also in talks to raise money at a $1 billion valuation. That's an interesting contrast, isn't it? Right. Yeah, uh, the uh, alleged uh, thing that the CFTC is saying about Polymarket is that it, it's letting customers improperly trade swaps or binary options, and it should be registered with the agency. So it's basically just finding them or uh, under investigation for just not registering, um, yeah. which they probably don't want to do anyways. Just kind of, kind of, you know, regulators cracking down and uh, crypto companies raising war chests to fight that, and right. I think this all gets resolved in the courts. Yeah, uh, like, hopefully. Is it gonna? Here, here's how this is gonna end up. Uh, again, I don't know anything, but like, it's gonna be like a two, three, four million dollar fine, and they just raise at a billion dollar valuation. So like, okay, <laughs> like, all yeah, right. you think that 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 that's kind of what we've seen traditionally, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the CFTC yeah. isn't the SEC. The CFTC is nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right, guys, we will be back with the takes of the week and some more. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that's going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. And now it's live and has over 100 projects deployed. Gas fees on Ethereum L1 suck. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. And that's why teams like Arbitrum have been hard at work developing layer two solutions that makes transactions on Ethereum cheap and instant. Arbitrum increases Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. This is why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and overall make a better user experience, go to developers.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. And if you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps being built on Arbitrum. Many DeFi applications on the Ethereum L1 are migrating over to layer twos like Arbitrum, and some are even skipping over the layer ones entirely and deploying directly on layer two. There's so many apps coming online to Arbitrum, so go to bridge.arbitrum.io now and start bridging over your ETH or any of the tokens listed and start having the DeFi or NFT experience that you've always wanted. Living a bankless life requires taking control over your own private keys. Not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is much more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger Live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite DeFi apps all in one spot, Ledger Live is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy your crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into all of the DeFi apps and services that you're used to. Using Ledger Live, you can stake your ETH in Lido, swap on DEXs like Paraswap, or display your NFTs with Rainbow. You can also use Wallet Connect inside of Ledger Live to connect to all the other DeFi apps that keep coming online. DeFi never stops growing, and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all of the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has, and stay tuned as more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab a ledger, download Ledger Live, and get all of your DeFi apps all in one space. All right, guys, we are back with the takes of the week. The turtle and the punk are here to give you the freshest takes in crypto. David, let's start with the punk take. This is your take. Mm -hmm. This is all about the modular blockchain and kind of the handshake between ETH as ultrasound money and Ethereum as ultrasound scalability. What's the feedback loop here when what's the tweet? Yeah, th this is this is why the ultra scalable Ethereum design structure is so, so incredibly awesome. Um, in in, in uh, the modular design thesis with sharding, when you add more proof of stake validators, when more people spin up 32 uh, stake 32 ETH and spin up a, a validator, the more people that do that, the more validators there are, the more shards that we can add to the Ethereum blockchain, right? So if we double the number of validators, we can just have more shards, which actually associates Ethereum security and decentralization with its scale, meaning it can become more secure, more decentralized, while also becoming more scalable. This is the big unlock. Previously, we had the blockchain trilemma where it said like, well, if you want to be decentralized, you have to sacrifice scale. With sharding, it, it inverts it, where we get more decentralization, we actually add more scale. Okay, so 
more validators get spin up, we get more shards providing more data. If we get more data on the shards, like the, because rollups compress data and before they deploy it down to the L1 shards, so what, adding one megabyte of data down to the Ethereum L1 adds like a gigabyte of data onto a rollup because it's compressed. So when you add any amount of small amount of data to the Ethereum L1, you add orders of magnitude more data to the Ethereum L2s, which makes transactions go faster. You can do more of them, they're cheaper, they go faster. So faster, cheaper rollups, that allows for creating net new economic activity. We talk about how uh, congestion in Ethereum pushes economic activity elsewhere. Uh, it goes on to Polygon, it goes on to Solana. Well, when you actually recapture those things by having super fast, cheap transactions, you create more net ec economic activity that is happening on Ethereum. More net economic activity it means more fees for validators because more total fees are being pushed down to the L1. If we have more fees for validators, you have a larger incentive to spin up a new validator because you are getting more Ether-denominated APY on your validators. And so when there's more fees being paid to validators, more validators will spin up. We started this whole thread at this point where if you start up more validators, you get more data shards, which adds to more scale of the rollups, which adds more economic activity, which adds more fees, which adds more proof of stake validators, which adds more data. The positive feedback loop is absolutely insane. Uh, and so really the growth of Ethereum, as it grows in decentralization, it becomes more scalable. And the cool thing about this is that when we have a bunch of fees, I don't include this in the tweet, but when you have a bunch of fees because of the economic activity, you're making Ether more valuable, which increases the value of what is being paid out to validators. And so because of ultra scalable Ethereum, we make Ether more scarce. And because Ether is more valuable, you have the incentive to spin up more nodes. And so ultrasound money, Meet ultra scalable Ethereum, your, your, your identical sibling. Your, one, one is the network, one's the money, and they are both ultra. So that is where we are today. So make it simple for this, uh, this turtle here, David. Mm -hmm. You tell me we should buy ETH then. Oh, yeah. You tell me ETH, <laughs> ETH is a good investment here. Yeah. Uh -huh. And not only Ultras is ETH a fantastic investment, but Ethereum is a fantastic platform to hold that investment on. This is not investment advice, of course, never is, but mm -hmm. uh, you can infer what you like by the bullishness of that statement. Um, this is Ron Paul. He is not bullish on the Fed. <laughs> never has been. Uh, I'll read the tweet out. By creating many trillions of new dollars out of thin air, the Fed set in motion an economic disaster. The warnings are over. Inflation is now here. Every excuse will be offered up as the reason for the economic pain. Don't, don't be deceived. The unconstitutional Fed is the reason. Ron Paul has always been, like, long been saying this, that um, the Fed is basically inflating money supply. Uh, I feel like a lot of people were listening to this message in 2000, after 2008 crisis and yeah. thought inflation was imminent and were kind of proven wrong in a way because they thought CPI inflation was imminent, but they were actually like retrospectively proven right because money supply inflation actually happened and asset price inflation happened as well and now we're starting to see the inflation that everybody else notices and everyone else calls inflation which is actually like consumer price index inflation and so now a bunch of people are, are saying like hey see we told you you know, the chickens would come home to roost. We told you that this was going to happen. And Ron Paul, of course, is blaming the central banks and the Fed. I don't think he's wrong, uh, but, you know, yeah, what's your take on this? I really just like the color of the unconstitutional Fed. 
we didn't uh, we didn't elect the Fed. We didn't we don't as a democracy get to choose the monetary policy that the Fed bestows upon us. We also, by the way, didn't elect any members of the SEC. Um, uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a nice reminder that like money is a public good and it's actually been captured by like 12 dudes behind closed doors. And, Jan- yeah, and Janet Yellen. It's not part of the governance protocol of right. the United the Republic right. of the United States. We are governed by yeah, we are not. we are governed by the central bank and we are governed without representation in the government in the central bank. Here's another take that I think uh is related. This is Jack Dorsey saying hyperinflation is going to change everything. It's happening. This this term hyperinflation. It's a big word. So yeah, it's a big word. A lot of people were angry at his use of this word, said it was like hyperbole, said it was exaggeration, said he was just pumping his uh, his Bitcoin bags. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I have maybe a kind of a, a nuanced take where I partially agree, but partially disagree. But what's your take? It, it's it's a very uh, polarizing, right? Like hyperinflation causes fear. It's, it's a scary thing. Like hyperinflation basically is a broken economy. Like your economy cannot function. It cannot your money allocate. no longer works. Mo- money and no so longer works. works. Right? So therefore nothing works. That's exactly right. Um, hyperinflation is a bold claim because it's talking about like, oh, basically the destruction of the United States economy, which would be the destruction of the entire world. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a big deal to make this sort of thing. Um, and I, I think the reason why he can make this uh, kind of claim is because inflation has been really, really low for a very long amount of time. And so markets and basically the entire, entire economy has operated under like a less than 2% paradigm for a decade now. And so if we ever saw like larger than that, which we are currently seeing, that it, it breaks a lot of things. Uh, and so that's kind of why he gets to say hyperinflation in my mind. Yeah, I, my take on it is like hyperinflation still is too is too much, right? It's too alarmist for what's going on. Like, you don't have to use that word. I think when people think of hyperinflation, they think of like, you know, Zimbabwe, you know, crisis and people using wheelbarrows of money to just buy their daily goods and like using money as wallpaper and like completely broken. I don't think that's where the U.S. is headed. And I think it's a bit of hyperbole to think that overnight the dollar is like suddenly going to be like a collapse. Absent the U.S. losing a major war, I don't see that happening. That said, that doesn't mean there won't be very high levels of consumer price index inflation. I just don't think of that as as like hyperinflation, like the money is just kind of dying right. overnight. Right. But I think we could get to like double digit CPI, right. for which, instance. Which would break a lot of people's brains. That's a really high and, number. Yeah, and some people would say, well, that is hyperinflation. So it is kind of a subjective definition of what hyperinflation, I guess, is. Um, but interesting that people are like just blatantly tweeting this mm-hmm. in uh, in 2021, right? Like, now true. you know inflation is here is because right. this can be tweeted with a lot of uh, a lot of support by uh, a major CEO. Agreed. I think hyper hyperinflation. We can say that it arrives when like people really start moving, out, talking about not storing their money in dollars anymore. So right. like taking their paychecks and then turning it into something else. That is in my mind hyperinflation, right. which I've been doing um, ever since 2017. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is uh, this is kind of my take on some of the some of the talk about inflation. Mm-hmm. It's just this take on fiat. Fiat only works because no one actually know knows how fiat really works. Right. This was fine for decades. Then crypto came. Crypto pays people to learn about how money actually works. It's gamified economics. And when a new generation learns how money really works, do you think they'll hold crypto or fiat? Right. David, you yeah. hold crypto, crypto you hold fiat. Crypto only. Crypto only. As much crypto as possible, as as fiat possible. to pay your bills. Gobble, right? gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah. 
And part of the reason, like, and like, I feel the same way. And the reason why is because I actually learned about money. And I wouldn't have learned about money if Bitcoin and Ether didn't pay me to go learn about money. Like, and by pay me, I mean a tremendous amount of upside in terms of like, figuring out what the next monetary regime is. And in order to figure that out, you actually have to understand the nature of money. I think older generations just take money for granted. Like they don't actually have to think about it. It's not a thing that actually matters to them because they lived in a stasis monetary regime. We live in a transition period mm -hmm. where monetary regimes are not in stasis. They are changing, like things are happening. This is a different time period. And what's also happening is now that crypto is here, it is gamifying. It is like rewarding you to go learn what money actually is. And the more people who learn what money is, the less they'll trust fiat. And then the less people who trust fiat, it's like the reverse of what you just said, that positive feedback loop right. for, for Ether. It's like an unwinding right. of that, right? Which is actually like, I... Um, I love many of Andrew Yang's policies, right? And I love his, particularly his governance protocol policies. I, I worry a little bit about UBI, right? Like it's not that I don't um, believe in that as a, a wealth distribution function. Like I think it could service that, but like what if it also serves to collapse faith in fiat? Right. What, right. What, what do you lose as the nation state in like, um, in, like if you if you do that if you cause that and people are suddenly getting checks where does it come from well it comes from the, the money printer unless you're like taxing this if you're just printing that ubi then maybe that further erodes faith in money so yeah i i think crypto is just unravel is going to start unraveling the entire fiat experiment and uh maybe that does lead to some hyperinflation i don't know it's not in the u.s but you know we'll right. see it would be interesting to run the a b test as to like inflation in this world as it currently stands with crypto and then also without crypto like what if the crypto industry didn't actually exist and we had covid and we had the money printer go burr there would probably yeah. be a lot less inflation because you the like, like you say like you you talk about how like crypto comes and it teaches people about money but also yeah. importantly it's an exit it's an escape hatch out of fiat yeah. money right and so that escape hatch actually can leak out a lot of value and cause the hyperinflation simply by having the option to sell your dollars and buy bitcoin and buy ether buy shib uh like you you can you actually create <laughs> create the hyperinflation that is actually the narrative that Bitcoiners like run with. Like, like they say, hey, the dollar is going to, to hyperinflate one day, buy Bitcoin so you can protect yourself from that. The mere actual existence of Bitcoin can actually make it a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because it can actually cause the, the inflation that is being discussed. Yeah, totally. There, there's an ape in the middle of, you know, Wall Street. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Coinbase is the number one app. Mm -hmm. Rampant inflation, like mm -hmm. what do all of these things have right. in common? Right, mm -hmm. it's the it's it's all kind of the the story of crypto. Um, let's talk about this take. This yeah. is uh, from from Matt Matt Matt, Matt Huang from uh, Paradigm. He goes, stocks are worth a hundred dollars. Print a lot of money. Now stocks are worth two hundred dollars. Tax the unrealized gain of a hundred dollars. Rinse and repeat. And so this is kind of like the very pernicious nature of like the association between uh, having the ability to print money and also having the ability to tax money. Uh, we are unburdening the economy, unburdening our massive debt by printing our way out of it by just devaluing the debt. But at the same time, 
that in order to actually fund the government, like they need taxes. Uh, and so there's this very insipidous like uh, method of taxation, which is going on, which is like, well, just pump out a bunch of money to pay for things. And then all your asset prices are gonna go up because we inflated the money. But now that we made the asset prices go up, we're gonna tax your unrealized gains. There's that conversation going around in Congress about like taxing unrealized capital gains. That's a huge change. That would be a massive change in how the tax regime works. So that's like if your assets go up, you actually have to pay the taxes on your assets even if you didn't sell them, which is crazy. I think it's only being confined to like the top 700 richest people in the United States. still as like a it's kind of a slippery slope like first it's the top one percent then it's the top ten percent then it's everyone and like you your wealth is just taxed inherently do you own something well like now you have to give some something to the government uh so some some don't don't like the dynamics going on right now yeah there's a lot there right so like i think what what congress something congress are trying to react to is this massive wealth inequality where it feels like billionaires are barely getting taxed right Mm -hmm. and rather than raise tax capital gains they're talking about this uh, ability to tax unrealized capital gains because if you raise capital gains you just incentivize people like jeff bezos to stop selling and they're not even selling anymore they're just collateralizing their equity he collateralizes his equity and then he borrows against us so he never realizes a, a taxable gain like and i see that loophole right that that so so people are saying well what if we tax unrealized gains but what are the downstream implications right. and ramifications of taxing unrealized gains but there's also i think the sub point and this goes back to our conversation with eric peters is he's just like hey if crypto takes off and fiat starts to collapse the government's still going to get theirs yeah. and you know how they're going to do that they're going to raise taxes mm-hmm. on some winning element of the economy and if you don't pay those taxes, they'll throw you in jail. Remember, yeah. governments still have the ability to put people in cages, and they have, you know, unlimited uh, ability resources to, yeah. resources, uh, to do that. And they have like basically violence. We've given them the, the stick of violence. Um, that that's kind of the, the Faustian bargain we've made with with our governments. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of tax policy starts to gain in in popularity in this uh, in the over the next decade. I don't I don't know how, what it means for for everything, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the government will try to get it theirs. That's for sure. I, I said this in the Eric Peters debrief through so all the premium subscribers to Bankless heard this, and but for all the free subscribers, I'll say it here. Uh, I hope that the way that they tax crypto is via the off ramps. So if you have a bunch of gains and you sell your money into dollars for your bank account, they'll tax you then. And so they should put that tax there so that it just incentivizes everyone to go into the world of crypto and only stay <laughs> and stays there. I think that's the best path forward. Yeah, uh, we'll have to see. I mean, there's so, so much that needs to get resolved in this decade, uh, including this, including this is, Facebook this is, and this is social awesome. media surveillance. This is awesome. Uh, so, so talk about this. Yeah. This is um, so the the, Francis... the Facebook whistleblower that talked about hey, the, there's like this internal structure at Facebook that uh, everyone in Facebook knows that it's tearing apart the scenes of society, and everyone's okay with that inside of Facebook. So that was the whistleblower. It's like basically, Facebook knows that it's bad for like mental health. It's bad for society, uh, and she, they and then she also says like and everyone knows that, and they aren't doing choosing to do anything about it. So that was like the and big, this was big news. This this was this very month, big, news, right? Like very she big was news, on yeah. Francis was on sixty Minutes talking about mm-hmm. this, and like you know Facebook was freaking out and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So go on. So the the tweet says. The Facebook whistleblower says she doesn't need financial support. Uh, Everyone's trying to give her financial support for being a whistleblower, I guess, uh, because she doesn't need financial uh, support because she bought 
crypto at the right time. <laughs> she is in Puerto Rico in part to join her crypto friends who, who are there seeking, seeking as a tax shelter. You don't have to pay any capital gains in Puerto Rico. The cool thing about this is that like, well, crypto is also Web3. Like Web3 is part of this whole thing. And so the Web3 world funded the 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 lady that blew the whistle about the web two world it was it's hey. like it's perfect it's perfect <laughs> such a great story web web three really is taking down web mm -hmm. two it's it's already happening totally. um, I wonder what her thoughts would be on web three's ability to actually right. create a um, a different incentive mechanism for mm -hmm. the social media surveillance that's going on um, let's talk about this this is a tweet from Blau Tim at a concert looking like he's performing in front of thousands of people. Yeah, look, looks like a massive conference, and, uh, or it's not a conference, concert. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a selfie. He's not taking the photo, but it's Blau in front of just a massive crowd. Uh, and then he tweets out this photo, and he just says, one day, they'll all own NFTs. Damn right they will, part, Blau. Part of the fan experiment uh, experience. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, David, let's talk about what you're excited about this week, other than the physical manifestation of your crypto punk. What do you have for us? Uh, I'm excited about two things. Uh, first thing, uh, NFT NYC on Sunday. I packed my bags going into New York for the whole week for NFT NYC. So if you're out there, make sure to find me. I will, won't will be looking like my punk, um, but- uh, <laughs> How so, will we know who you are? <laughs> I, have no, I have no clue. I'll be carrying around an iPad and maybe I can get Ryan to join me at, at times but on the iPad. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll zoom in for you. And then I, I already talked about this, but I'm just, the last time I was this excited about Ether and Ethereum, it was, we were on the cusp of like the whole ultrasound money revolution. And like nothing's really different anymore, except for the fact that like we are progressing in Ethereum's roadmap. But having the ability to name something is really, really powerful. And I think with ultra scalable Ethereum, go read the blog post, we can finally talk about the way that Ethereum has to, gone after its scaling strategy. So I'm just really, really excited just to see like, it's, it's gonna be ultra, uh, ultra scalable Ethereum. It was ultra scalable Ethereum week this week. It'll be ultra scalable Ethereum next week ultra scalable Ethereum now and forever. Uh, and I, I think I'm just excited to see it, this like work its way into the brains of people in the same way that ultrasound money did, ultra scalable Ethereum is following in its footsteps. And yeah, so that's, what, that's what I'm excited about. Definitely a powerful narrative. I share that excitement, David. Ryan, what are you excited about? I am really excited about crypto games in the metaverse. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we had a great conversation with Chris Dixon. He talked about, and you'll hear this on the podcast on Monday, he talked about what crypto gives you the ability to own your own inventory and move it from website to website, right? This idea of owning your own inventory, that is the primitive we've unlocked with crypto. And I think that that new property right that hasn't been available on the internet, that digital property right is now available to us. And this is what's going to create the metaverse. But in the near run, I think the metaverse will probably emerge uh, through gaming, crypto gaming, like these virtual worlds, right? Like I think Ready Player One is not that wrong in that a lot of the metaverse at first will feel like an immersive gaming type experience. And we're starting to see some some of that activity start. Like I think the crypto gaming industry is just in its first inning like axie was the first breakout uh success now we're going to see an entire new wave of crypto games i'm super excited about in particular i'm excited about crypto games on layer two okay because i think that unlocks something special so we're seeing crypto games being built on immutable they have uh, to X. On layer two, yeah. this, is a, this is a roll up uh we're also seeing crypto games starting to emerge on uh, Starkware's new solution, which is cool. There's two that I know of. Um, I'm also excited about this other experiment, which is like bottom up building where you actually start with the inventory 
and you build the game around the inventory. You start with the inventory, you create a DAO, you create a community, and the community kind of builds the game, okay? So like Loot started to pioneer this. Um, there's also a game called Dope Wars. This is doing like a loop idea, uh, loot idea, but it's like Grand Theft Auto kind of loot rather than like fantasy world loot. And they're doing it on layer two, which is super interesting. I have no idea if these experiments will be successful, but this is a new model uh, for the world. And again, it starts in crypto gaming, turns into a metaverse, and all of these people will be DeFi pilled in the process. They will start to do their banking on crypto. This will be good and synergistic with uh, DeFi. And it all leads back to Ether is money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so uh, watch the Chris Dixon video uh, show on Monday for some more details on some of this stuff. But um, I've been messing around with some things this week in kind of that space. And I just see the very first seedling of the metaverse uh, starting to emerge. And uh, I think some big unlocks are coming in the future, too. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm as excited as anyone when it comes to the metaverse, but for, for the sake of the conversation, I'll, I'll be the, the devil's advocate here. I'm actually kind of worried that like these, because the, the, the mass, the, the market cap, the total addressable market cap of crypto game is absolutely massive. It's in the, the, we talked about this with Ariana Simpson, like games are going to be the new economies. And this just means you're going to be paid to play these games. We're going to make them really, really financially incentivized to play these games. What happens to the world when like we can just make our money playing games? Like we're going to stop going <laughs> do we to do work? anything real. Yeah. What, what else do we do? We stop going to work like we're just going to shut down bank list because I'm having way too much fun playing this game and I'm making plenty of money doing it. Like, well, the- what are we doing now, David? Are we doing anything productive? Or are we like, are we well, playing a game? Well, I mean, no, I'm not literally playing WASD games. I'm talking about actual WASD. I know, games. but like, I guess like, what is the difference between like, what is the definition of like adding value? Like, right. I I have a lot of fun doing this, right? Sure. This doesn't feel like a, a job. This kind of right. feels like a game. And oh my God, like if we think about it, like from a meta perspective, mm-hmm. you and I play games all day. We talk to our friends in Discord groups and we collect coins, right? right? And we tell people about those coins. Like we're kind of playing a game Sure. In a way, right? But that's different than than what I was going after. And we're, we're very okay. privileged because we're in the crypto space. Imagine like all of the broken supply chain people. The, there's lack of ship, uh, shipping containers. There's not enough labor at the ports. Like what happened? Yeah. We, we have a shortage of labor. And what happens when that shortage of labor gets 10 times worse because the metaverse is paying a bunch of people to play games? Like, so you're you're worried about like this idea of like escapism and yeah. like people are aren't like we still need physical things. Right. There still needs to be real human interaction. We still got to grow like, the food. Yeah, we still we'll still need all these things. Right. And but what what happens if everyone is like uh, just plugged into a computer? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I I get that take too. I think I, I think a, it's a cool future. Like I want that future to happen. But I'm just worried that there's going to be a lot of industries that get gutted because of the magnitude of crypto gaming. Yeah, that's for sure. And at the same time, there also needs to be a whole bunch of new jobs for human beings, right? Oh, well, uh, art, like artificial intelligence and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, takes takes yep. so many of the jobs that we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's it. Takes the week, guys. Let's get to the meme of the week and close this down. David, so meme of the week, what's the first one we're looking at here? Uh, I think we only have one this week. Uh, this one, I, I made this when uh, when Luke uh, at, at Bankless tweeted out uh, after reading the ultra modular, ultra scalable Ethereum, the modular blockchain uh, thesis. Uh, Luke just says, uh, like, uh, can you scroll up so I can actually just read it? Um, 
He goes, I don't know about you folks, but at some point, all this stuff just starts to become obvious. Really stoked to be taking the journey with Bankless. And I, and I read that tweet, and I'm like, oh, it must be so nice coming into the world of crypto in 2021, where things have just been like digested and like put into like articles and mental models. But coming into the world of crypto in 2017 was an absolute shit show. No one knew, knew what was true. No one knew what was real. Everything was like, there was competing narratives, competing technologies, like polychain, like you know, cross-chain, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so I decided to slap together this, this meme uh, where this is, this is the army man protecting the sleeping child from a bunch of like raining grenades and knives. Uh, the raining grenades and knives are titled A Bunch of Confusing Bullshit. Uh, and then the, sorry for the language, uh, and then the army man is Bankless. Uh, and so it's a little self-congratulatory, but uh, that's what we try and, and do at Bankless is there's a lot of just crazy bullshit out in the industry and we try and sift through the mess and make sure that uh, we don't let confusing bullshit hit the ears of anyone. Are you worried, though, that we're protecting people from the shibs of the world and they could be making insane gains? <laughs> well, podcasts are permissionless, so they are free, free to listen to a different podcast. Yeah, that's true. We do try our best, though. We try to parse mm -hmm. and like figure out what the truth of these situations are. Oh, there, Actually, are, two that was, there are two memes. There are, yeah. Here's the second meme of the week. What's this, David? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Ryan Sean Adams classic, I've now learned, where he sla <laughs> slaps on a headline onto a picture of a regulator uh, and everyone believes it. And that's kind of the sad part. The uh, the uh, comments here or the uh, caption is uh, regulators worried that crypto might improve banking system quote crypto might put the banks out of business uh, and then the tweet is I'm worried that crypto might improve things this is a depiction of Janet Yellen as well as a central banker uh, a lot of people thought this was real but yeah. you know the fact that everyone assumes this is the meme is the real problem that's what we'd say mm -hmm. guys this has been a special Halloween edition. I think this is the last time you will see me in an NFT turtle costume anytime soon. I don't know if we'll be seeing the, the CryptoPunk again, David. Do you have plans for this? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I do take my CryptoPunk to NFT NYC. It would be in good company, I feel like. Uh, you, you, you probably should. Guys, none of this, of course, was financial advice. ETH is risky. DeFi is risky. So is SHIB. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.